0: That being said, I've heard from like three people this week who are all like fans of the podcast. You know what? I'm, I, it's like this, the podcast is like such a pleasant escape during,
1: a, a, like, and I need that now. <laughs> no one has said to me, that is such a relief. So thanks very much, everyone telling you. No one said that to me.
0: Well, I think it's just because I I think because I come off as the needier one, the more fragile one is my theory because it really is. is. I think so. I think so because this guy wrote me another person wrote me and was like, hey, I I just, you know. I'm
1: needy. I'm needy, you guys. I know. I'm needy.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, you have to put, that's got to be the opening cut. That's got to be the (laughs) intro. Please. (laughs) Please, cold open. You
1: guys have no idea how needy I am. <laughs> Why don't you tell me you love me? Don't tell Jeff. <laughs> Jeff knows. He knows already. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, what nuts! Welcome to Baxter Building, episode twenty-six. This is the show where myself, Mister Graham McMillan, and my esteemed co-host, Mister Jeff Lester. See, He did it right. Jeff has only taken us two years. Hooray! Anyway, Jeff <laughs> blesser. Uh, talk about the first volume of Marvel's Fantastic Four series. We are we're in a, a a good space. I think the last episode we did was probably the the our most enjoyed run of issues in quite some time. Yes, uh, because John Byrne has taken over the book, mm-hmm. and so we are doing the same issues two thirty eight through two forty seven, mm-hmm. and. If we loved the last batch of issues, we probably like this batch less. But it's still better than, for example, the Doug Munch Benson It's it is true uh, that that is hands
0: down. I mean, you know, it's interesting as we get into it. I. Because reading these issues over the last couple of days, what was interesting were the number of issues where it's like, oh, I read this one, and oh, I read this one. Like, I didn't own it, but I must have read it, like, all but cover to cover in the store or something, you know? And um, I, I I, reading them this time, or the ones that were new to me and the ones that were not as new, they were all very much of a piece, and I was like... I I just couldn't get why I was like this this is really good why but, am I so bored yeah or not necessarily yeah, bored yeah. but but it was weird it was a weirdly static experience
1: for me you know I have theories about that right, which we'll get right. to us yes. at like midway through the run yeah uh, because I had a I had a really similar experience which is individually you at least for me I like race through these issues because they are fun Mm-hmm. like what what we talked about last time was that the, the uh, burn really did bring a sense of momentum back yeah. to series and a sense of fun back to series and the same is true for these these 10 issues mm-hmm. but uh the more the deeper you get into it the more you're like oh but but it's not working as well as it shoots like each individual issue is fine with the exception of 239 mm-hmm. um but, but as a whole, they're not adding up. Like the, the sum of these issues is somehow lesser than the, the individual pieces. It is. It is. And um,
0: you know, I feel like you know, to throw on my my uh, psychoanalyst overthinking it Cap. We'll see whether or not this is is true. But the extent to which I. We started and it really seemed that Byrne was doing a bunch of done-in-ones. He was definitely shrinking down the tendency towards the overinflated inflated epic uh, that had been such a staple of the FF up until the point where he took over. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a few pieces here that make me wonder the extent to which Byrne is...
1: Does that too much? Oh, he definitely does it too much. It's it's more like like two two forty when we get there is is astoundingly compressed to the yes. point where I was like, have I missed an issue?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No two two forty and the two the two parter that closes out this this uh, run of oh, issues yeah. that we're yeah. reading it all but begs to be like actually with the exception of uh two thirty nine. Um, every issue I think could be made a case that it need that it would not have it's hurt like, to put it into two parts, into two yeah, issues.
1: Yeah, you know I, I I think you're right. With exception two thirty nine, which this is the third time where we said this, is not a very good issue.
0: No, it's not. But I, I mean, honestly, to be sort of semi fair to two thirty nine, I think that two forty two no two forty one is actually.
1: Oh, is is arguably worse.
0: Yeah, it it's also yeah, yeah. a mega shitty episode. So
1: okay, okay. Before we get there, let's start with two thirty eight. Yes, let's. Uh, which has two stories. Everyone. Yes. The lady uh, is for burning, and the more things change, ellipses. Uh, in both cases, John Byrne is writing and drawing. Although with the more things change, uh, it's Terry Austin is inking. Yeah. Which is referred to on the cover long before there were cover credits in marvel comics you have john byrne appear on the cover mm-hmm. and the signature for the cover says and Austin guest in on a story in this crazy book also can we talk about how weird the cover for this comic is yes yeah the it... cover for this comic is dr doom standing holding a sign that says honest dr doom is not in this marvel comic which is true Yes. Uh, and John Byrne is holding up a sign saying, but you will find out the startling secret of Frankie Ray plus a dramatic development in Life of the Thing. Both of those are also true. Yeah. But what is going on? Like I honestly looked at the cover and was like, Oh, this must be an Assistant Editors Month issue. But it's not. This is like three years early for Assistant Editors Month. Yeah. Um
0: I think that part of the problem is that and, and this is this is one of those interesting like 238 is a fascinating issue in the sense that it is the culmination, well, it's the culmination of the Frankie Ray subplot. Basically the only real uh, half of the only real subplot that, sorry, let me I'm phrasing it wrong. Arguably I would say that Burn before now has had one and a half subplots. Something going on with the thing and whatever the hell is going on with Frankie Ray who doesn't have nipples. And this is the culmination <laughs> actually of the Franklin we'll Ray story. We'll
1: find out why she doesn't have nipples. Jeff. Yes.
0: Yeah, we do. No, I know. And it's kind of hilarious. But there's nothing that he can there's nothing that he can put on the cover that won't the most dramatic moments that he, he that he would put on there essentially are give reveals. Yeah. Are the climaxes of the stories, essentially. Like they would give away too much. And so I feel like he was literally had to come up with a non cover cuz Cause cause the thing is is apart from a certain amount of um flame on action in the first story nothing i nothing really happens nothing
1: really happens yeah But, uh, just yes, yes and no. Okay, so the lady is for burning. Mm -hmm. Is, uh, it's it's roughly half the issue. Yes. And what it is, is it's the reveal of what is going on with Frankie Ray. And the reveal basically is when we, last uh, episode, we're talking about how it looked like Johnny Storm was terrified of nipples Mm -hmm. because Frankie took off her clothes and showed Johnny, and we saw Johnny shocked reaction. Uh, it turns out what happens is, uh, Frankie Ray is actually a never-nude, literally. That's true. Whenever she takes off her clothes, she she has a superhero (laughs) costume on underneath. Uh, Which, for some reason, she can't feel and had never, ever looked at herself in the mirror naked ever before. Right. Which, all of that seems very strange to me. Yeah. But okay, let's go with it. And it's an entirely inconsistent when the costume appears and not... Byrne even tries to explain it by saying, when I'm naked, I'm wearing the costume, but as soon as I put clothes over my costume, my costume disappears, which is an explanation for why her gloves and boots are not always there. Yeah. Um, Which, sure, but on the first page of the comic, she is actually still kind of wearing the robe and the costume is there. Yeah right so it makes no sense anyway short version she has this costume because her uh stepfather who is heavily implied was the creator of the original human torch uh was partially responsible for an accident in which she got lots of chemicals over her which turned her into her basically the human torch herself yeah uh she has been hypnotized to forget this and then she remembers because she sees the costume and she's like look at me i can fucking fly this is great i love it uh, and that's the story. Yeah, there, there isn't any more to it than that,
0: right? And so, like I said, I mean, honestly, from a character perspective, Burns teased out this mystery for someone like me who has a fondness for Frankie Ray. It's it's great to see the resolution of it, and and also the idea, the sort of uh, the the finale of of the torch and Frankie Ray as two fiery lovers sort of kissing in, in the Baxter building lab is sweet. It's, 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 it's a good, it's, it's a good read, but it is that idea of like short of having a mysterious figure in flames and the torch gaping at her. There's no, it's, there's no way you could really tease it on a
1: traditional cover. Is just what I'm saying. Sure. Both I, of these I, stories I, are actually I, really I would, good, but yeah, I, I would, I would have gone for that cover. Mm -hmm. i would have gone for johnny looking shocked as something that is just behind the reader yeah you know or for that matter i would have taken something from the net story and had ben in the machine as he's about to get de yeah you know i think both those could have been dramatic images especially more so than having dr doom holding up a sign saying i'm not an issue when he's not like Sure, it's true, but it's the strangest cover. Um, The the punchline of the Frankie Ray story, we should say, is that Reed essentially says, oh, she's a member of the team now. Yes. Let's see. I would say, if Frankie is interested, that after a suitable period of training, we may be calling our friends at Marvel Comics and telling them to start publishing the Fantastic Five. Yeah. Uh, Spoilers, that is kind of going to be lived up to for the next few issues. Frankie is... Going to all but be a member of the team.
0: Well, she's certainly going to be a, a member of the team as much as say Crystal was when Crystal was a member of the team. Uh, yeah, you know, she does actually spend a certain amount of time getting sidelined. You know, um, what what I think is fascinating, and we'll move. I, I'll save it until the later stories play out. But what I find what I find fascinating is how much potential this opening arc. Has in the sense of, I guess, what it could mean for Johnny and his ability to feel emotionally connected to the people that he's romantically involved in, you know, mm-hmm. and
1: oh, even beyond that, there's mm-hmm. the the origin they give for Frankie, which essentially says she is the product of the former human torch. Mm-hmm. Without the former human torch, Frankie would not have these powers. Yeah. There is an amazing amount of potential there, which, spoilers everyone, is never going to be mentioned again. That's right. Well, and in fact, one
0: of the things that's very uh, frustrating for me is is that, and I guess, you know, I can't, it's okay to talk full spoilers considering we're talking about comics that are still in this, this podcast, but she's gone by the end of this run of what yep. what we're reading, so the the distance between 238 and even 248, this status quo is super fast, and then it's gone. And so I'm fascinated by the way uh, I started off and never got around to this 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 you know throwing on my my psychoanalyst pipe and uh, uh, or I guess it should be a cigar. I really feel that burn is. Being, uh, detri- like um, reactionary to the point of counterproductivity, and and I think that there's a case to be made that on the one hand, particularly the last few issues of his run, feel like a corrective to the stuff that he was doing with Marv Wolfman, but there's also again there's this undercurrent of John Byrne is the anti Chris Claremont. You know, and one of the things that he's doing that he is very set on doing here is how much Frankie has a fiery character who believes that, you know, basically that bad guys are bad and should be punished and is almost bloodthirsty and the rest of the team is worried. And rather than going sort of the Dark Phoenix faint, um, Burn goes a different direction. Part of me is like, that would be fine if it wasn't also, I feel like he's pushing against Claremont's um, inability to push subplots along at at a speedy pace that, you know, I I all but feel Burns like, yeah, I'm going to introduce Frankie Ray. I'm going to turn her into like the the Human Torch's perfect girlfriend, the bionic woman to his $6 million man, and I'm going to take her away in less than 10 issues so that... You can't even believe that it's happened yet, but you're going to get all the grief and all the emotional pathos as if I had left him a lot, you know, left her around for seventy six Chris Claremontian paced issues. And spoilers, I didn't. By the time Frankie yeah, leaves, that... I was shocked by how little feeling I had for it.
1: You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, uh, that that really touches on what happens, and the more things change, as well, the second story of the issue, yeah. which is Reed's. It, it's a very odd story, actually. It's Reed's, first, first of all, uh, reveals that, remember Herbie, who was possessed by an evil mm-hmm. overlord and tried to kill the team? He's rebuilt Herbie as the nanny to look after his kids. Yeah, that. What could go wrong, everyone? Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, nothing.
1: But as it is, nothing does go wrong, because as soon as that has happened, Reed is like, don't worry, Ben. I've now worked out I can definitely cure you being the thing. Definitely, positively, all those other times, pfft, nothing. This one, this one's for disease. This is permanent. Why don't you get in the chair? Right. And he gets in the chair and uh, of course it goes wrong. Of yeah. course it goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, and he is devolved into the, the sort of mm-hmm. muddy glop thing mm-hmm. that he was for the first few issues of the book. Yeah. Um, the, dun, dun, dun. That's your cliffhanger. The thing is, no pun intended, that also is going to be a status quo that is going to be done away with before the end of these issues and goes absolutely nowhere. Right, and also Literally. has all the drama
0: sapped out of it, which I think is yeah. weird. It's it's fascinating it, it's, the way in which Byrne self-defeats himself for whatever reason over the spread of issues with that stuff.
1: Yes, yes. That's, that was, that's the, my biggest problem with these issues, which is burn tries to do the you know multiple he tries to do subplots he tries to do multiple issue stories Mm -hmm. that literally go nowhere Mm -hmm. they have i've done it i've undone it yeah and in between there's no development so you really don't give a shit yeah you're like okay sure whatever the the thing portion uh really also is horribly flawed by the fact that Every character is like, This is for real. This is permanent. This is definitely for real. Both times, yeah, yeah. So, you have Reed making a big deal out of like that you'll whatever happens now. This is it. You're going to stick like this. This is it for you know, definitely going to happen. Definitely not going to be undone in eight issues. It's definitely going to happen. You guys, it's you know, there's no way that there's going to be a Deus Ex Machina (laughs) that's going to undo this in eight issues. Nope, nope. And then eight issues later. You know, thing happens. I'm not going to spoil what it is, but it's undone, right? And it's undone in such—I mean, such a remarkably lazy way—that mm-hmm. you're like, sure, sure, whatever. Well, and I think this is this is
0: the problem. Uh, part of the problem is is that uh, is Burn, who interestingly enough is a guy who rails against the, or has gone on to rail against the fanboys taking over writing comics is himself some of the things that he do, that I think are really interesting about his run are fanboy bits that are how do i put it Well, I guess let's talk about that more when we get to the undoing, because I think the undoing has.
1: Yeah, the undoing, because that's just it. The setup in both of these stories, they're both very slight stories, but that's fine because they're both like nine pages long.
0: Yeah, they're nine pages long and stuff happens. Stuff really does happen to the characters. There's major changes. It seems like major changes in the status quo. And so, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't need anything so
1: yeah, it's so it's overall it's a very light issue but it's a very light issue that implies forward motion yes yeah yeah, you know even even though literally the forward motion is hey remember the original human torch and hey do you remember what the thing used to look like it nonetheless feels like he's doing something unusual with the characters Mm -hmm. and and so you you, you're like 238 feels kind of light but it's fun and you know i'm i'm in you know i'm i'm into this i'm involved let's go forward Mm -hmm. uh 239, also, because it starts with, I mean, a a kind of ridiculous, shitty joke, but a fun joke. Yeah. You you kind of buy in. The first, what, six pages of Mm -hmm. of 239? Mm -hmm. Actually, not even that. Five pages. The first five pages of 239. Wendy's friends. This, spoilers, is the issue that Jeff and I don't like. Yeah. Um, It's really cute because the joke is this beautiful woman shows up at the Baxter building and is looking for Ben, and it turns out she's Aunt Petunia. Yes, and Aunt Petunia isn't an old woman at all, as everyone has imagined, but is instead the I think it's implied second wife yes. of Ben's favorite uncle. Mm-hmm. and and is is just this like it, for some reason she reminds me of Amelia Earhart. I think it's the the aviator jacket. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But she, she just, you know, is this young woman who shows up and is like, hey, and by the way, I've got a mystery. Yeah, right. And that as a five page lead up is great mm-hmm. because you have the fun, uh, you have the fun reveal and you have the we really need your help. And you're like, I am in five pages into this issue. Great. I l- right. love it. And then the rest of this issue honestly feels like John Byrne has just read some Stephen King. It's like, that doesn't look so hard. Right. <laughs> well, uh, there is
0: a, yeah, there. there's kind of a, well, hmm. so I think that, the, I think there's a couple of things. Like you said, the ampetunia thing is, I remember as reading that in, in the shop and being like, oh, th- like, honestly, like, that's great. Like, that kind of blew my young mind of, like, somebody figured right. out a way to, like, put that spin on it and it and it was it was such a clever surprise it was a real fun way of burn being like i you know kind of what he goes on to do in a lot of this run which is i know the ff's history but what's going to be fun is spinning it and playing with it and building and and like surprising you with it burn's very aware his, in, in some ways, his desire not to go where you can predict may be part of the reason why the drama gets sucked out of stuff like Ben is turned into a more bestial version of the thing, which, honestly, I feel in some ways is like Byrne trying to get around the, the the last little impediment of making the book kind of his own, you know, is being able to draw Ben and and be able to draw Ben in a way that's his and not Joe Sinnott's, you know, and yeah, yeah. And, and getting comfortable with it again. But, but part of the thing that is strange, it's, it's not that it's strange as the story goes on, it goes on to make so much sense, of course, but Ben is turned back into an uglier version of the thing. and is completely fine with it. He is so mellow through all these issues and everyone keeps remarking on it and remarking on it and remarking on it. And and yet the weird part is, is remarking does not make for good drama. And this issue feels to me as if Byrne also is trying to do the... trying to take the concept of the old Lee Kirby and ones in which there's a mystery affecting normal people and the ff you know have to deal with supernatural forces or forces that are beyond their ken and there's a little bit of that classic rod serling style twist and yet in part because in maybe because burn's pacing has five pages to introduce aunt petunia and another three for her to to lay out what the hell is going on that by the time you get the FF out to the town, you introduce the secondary character that makes almost no sense. Wendy's like the, the professor who's like out to show them their archeological dig. Who's Wendy's taken up with.
1: I, I love her. She's, she, no, love her.
0: Yeah, she's fine. She's fine. But I mean, the whole, the whole idea behind this is, is essentially in the dig, they've managed to uncover these forces, uh, which basically every 10,000 years or whatever test the test the people who live there to see whether they are strong enough and good enough and the testing of them if they are found wanted usually leaves them dying of fright because they they have to deal with their own dark night of the soul what's amazing is is that the whole process by which the town is tested um is more or less a four-page sequence that doesn't really have anything to do with what actually happened. It's got some very superficial, like, oh, the FF have got to fly around, and quick, let's knock over this water tower because a building's on fire. And then that's it. The next page is literally the town dying, essentially. Everyone pulling off and going no the the, Jeff, what, the
1: the unworthy people leave yes what it is is the demons scare off the unworthy so that only the worthy people stick around but even that doesn't make sense because you have wasted quite a few pages by this point uh on Wendy the small child and her father who is an abusive alcoholic right who who stays around
0: yeah because because he did find his and this this is the other thing there's Burns pride pride of himself as a conservative uh is very strange. I mean it it comes out in a few different ways the the amazing woman to woman sequence coming up in a few issues the whole conception behind Doom's Letvaria but especially here in which a drunken child abuser basically just needs one good long night of the soul and he can go back to being the good dad that, of course, everyone knew he really was despite being a child-abusing shitbag up until that point,
1: you know? Like, yeah, there... and, and also the child-abusing shitbag thing is really interesting because it's not just... That scene at first seems like it's actually there to show that Frankie Ray has anger issues. Right. Because she she really goes after him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in a way that the other characters, you don't really get to see the other characters with him, mm-hmm. but you get the feeling that the other characters would not. You know, yes. Reed would give him a stare on talking to, whereas Frankie's like, no, I'm actually going to fucking shoot fireballs at you, you shit. Right.
0: And she only stops because Wendy more or less pleads with him too. And what's distressing is a little bit of, you know, from our current Comfy perspective of, you know, 2017, like that's, it's not okay. Like the sequence, the fact is Frankie does fly off and leave him alone. And the very next scene in which Wendy appears is she's never been beaten as badly as she got beaten, you know, and it's... But but
1: you still, this issue still ends with Reed telling her, it's not for us to sit in judgment over our fellow men, Frankie. Yes. If you're to be one of us, one of the Fantastic Four, that is something you'll have to learn very quickly. Right. In any case, the fact that Wendy's father is still here means that he's already been judged by a far higher power than any weak command. Right. So you really have Reed basically being like, what he does to her behind closed doors, which we know is beating her, yes, is fine. Yeah yeah yeah. Like we can we can't step in. It's it is just super it's gross. I mean it is just you know disturbing.
0: Yeah, it really is disturbing. It's genuinely creepy and fucked up. It's fascinating because there it is also, I mean, it's kind of in line with the Reed Richards' authority dick that we're kind of that you oh, know, sure, we dislike sure. so much so there is that but the but the way in which it's handled so it that it's so offhand during this issue really is distressing the length to which burn i think on the one hand even this one single minor issue he kind of is working so hard to keep it to just one issue but there's all the stuff he wants to make sure has the payoff or the subplot or the whatever piece that it doesn't it doesn't hang together it's doesn't there's one part where it's like okay maybe he rushed through the whole long night of the soul for the whole town and especially the father but the fact is it it just it just comes off creepy and it comes it, it it is very much one of those deals where you get the sense this is very much what burn believes as well in a way that mm-hmm. you know it's, it's not just what reed believes Byrne himself also has a little bit of that oh sure like,
1: sure mm-hmm. it, this is this is not a morality play where burn is not explicitly endorsing the morality of his characters yeah, That's right Do you know what I mean like, The fact that Reed is saying this Is because Byrne believes this That's right Very 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 clear. Also we should talk about The fact that it's It is so rushed So that we get The worst Last page Dun 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 Which is The demons are friends With Wendy The little girl All along Right Who could have seen it Right <laughs> Maybe because the story Was fucking called Wendy's friends people <laughs> Well Cause she does
0: say something Like it's the world's most dashed off um, red herring where she said oh, something the like call
1: is terrible. She's like, like oh. the thing, the thing basically like, we'll look after you, and she's like, I have the best friends. Yes. Just so, you know, Bernie gets the last line, which is if only the thing had paid more attention to what Wendy had said. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking demons. <laughs> ha ha. Ha ha. <laughs> It's just oh, – I mean it, it's just shit. It's, a, it's a, a really weirdly shit issue. It really is, you know, which is a shame. It's such a shame, yeah. Because yeah, it, it feels
0: like, honestly, Burn was like, I have a great idea for showing – for reintroducing Aunt Petunia and that's going to be awesome. And that part is awesome, and then the rest of it, he's like,
1: "Ah, fuck." cares. and it's like, I, I, and, I, and I, I need a reason for opportunities to show up, and need, I need help. Yeah, what can it be? Here's the thing, though. Even the basic idea of lots of people are apparently being scared to death is completely strong. It's it what isn't. he does. Like his explanation for that. Yeah, I, I sure. That's it's. I mean, it's not the most original idea, but it's completely solid. I don't. It's have... what you do the and i think that what he does with it is terrible see i I think what he does with it is terrible but also i'm sorry there's just this idea of people are
0: being scared to death you know what i mean it's kind of got that oh so spooky kids but i mean it's 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 um you're fighting someone's reactions you know what i mean like whatever's going on there it's not like the ff are going to be able to fly in there and like Turn off people's cortisol. At least for me, as a guy who likes books where people oh, no, punch things, like like there's no punching. There's no way you can punch fear. You just can't. That's one of the things that I feel like we've learned from boring Marvel comics is fear just can't be punched, and it's and that makes it that, dull.
1: That's why the only thing you have to feed Jeff.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly.
1: That was the second
0: part of the phrase.
1: I, yeah. As a uh an alternate take on that, perhaps. <laughs> what if there is some sort of scientific thing going on that they have to figure out that someone is faking them deaths to make it look like they've been scared to death?
0: Yeah. I, like I,
1: then you have a culprit who is doing this who they can punch.
0: I guess, man. I guess. I just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it just does, I have <laughs> to like, admit. You're
1: like, no. I'm I don't, not, yeah, I, I don't, just I don't. Guess.
0: I'm just sorry. It's just never been an idea that to me is inherently interesting. Like you said, even the fake out of like, oh, they, they look like they've been scared to death. I mean, let's face it. This is a Scooby-Doo episode. This is a Scooby-Doo episode. I don't know if it was if it was the FF being chased down by the, the minor 49er and they're all running like stacked on top of each other. And I got to say, I would love – I would pay serious money to see that. I know what piece of art I need to commission if I were to ever really commission original art. Uh, but is the – I mean, again, it's that like, oh, it's the shape of fear. I mean – this is this is dull in precisely the way that John Byrne's Alpha Flight goes on to be so enormously fucking dull. Like, when you've got that page <laughs> of that couple out there... It's a very Alpha Flight there, story, isn't it? It's so Alpha Flight, and it's that same thing where John Byrne... I mean, it's fucking John Byrne. He, you can tell... He, the, the guy's a science guy. He spends more time... When you get to a page that introduces Terax four issues from now, you, John Byrne just is all but, like, pooping himself with the effort to describe space in a way that is poetic, but it is also scientifically accurate. So take that, Chris Claremont. (laughs) Whereas this one, you just always know, when John Byrne is going to show how spooky something is by breaking out the whiteout, you know that guy is fucking not into it. Like, it's like, it's so spooky you can't draw it. Oh, thank fucking Christ. I just, the ineffable. Oh. (laughs)
2: Oh, Jesus, I
0: needed this. You know? It just feels like that to me. It just doesn't feel like anything else other than Burn just being like... And you see that in Alpha Flight so much, where it's just like... And now the cosmic event that is a lot of whiteout. Oh, so much whiteout. Oh, God. I can't believe how little I had to draw on this dramatic page. Thank Christ. Anyway. But still, I mean, I could be wrong. Because the very next issue, 240 Exodus, is... Um, it's the opposite of all those FF annuals that got broken into three part stories. This this is an FF annual that John Burton is like, I'm gonna bring this son of a bitch in in 20 pages, maybe
1: 18. Right. You know, and for at least half of it, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. What, Jeff? Here's how I how what the fuck is happening? I got with this issue. I went on the internet to find out if I was missing something, mm-hmm. if there was. If he really was doing exposition for another comic, I, and he's not. I, see, this is the thing that drives me crazy. Is is that
0: if this were a, if this comic had come out today, like literally had come out like this week, I would be like, oh, Byrne is referencing whatever previous storyline the humans were we're stuck in. He's going to wrap that all up and move to the part that he's interested in. But that classic, like tying up the run, somebody else's run kind of deal. And you're used to seeing that happen here. It's just usually there's a, you know, there's an editor's note that tells you what the previous issues are. And because there's not, I really was, I was like the enclave. Is that a thing?
1: Like, is it a thing? Okay. Let, let, Yes, let me explain everything. Please. Because this actually does wrap up a dangling plot. A dangling plot from Fantastic Four that I would forgotten was a dangling plot. Oh, Are it. you ready, Jeff? Yes. This storyline... Okay, the basic plot synopsis of this issue. Quicksilver shows up at the Baxter building. There is, of course, the obvious misunderstanding. He attacks Ben because he doesn't recognize what the thing looks like. Now the thing is all melty thing. He is attacked by Frankie Ray, who just is too violent, you guys. She's not one of them, really. She's too violent. He is ultimately recognized by Reed Richards because, of course, he is. He says in what is one page of heavy as shit exposition. yes that he's there because the Inhumans are at war with the Enclave. Not only are the Inhumans at war with the Enclave, but Maximus Mm -hmm. is on the side of the Enclave. Um, He has joined with the Enclave. They are attacking the Inhumans. The Inhumans are losing the war. However, at the same time, there is a plague that is killing the Inhumans and Crystal is about to have a baby and is a having a difficult pregnancy and B might be afflicted by the plague. Yeah. All of that in a page and a panel of exposition. Jesus. The FF says, yes, we're gonna go and hang out with the the inhumans we're gonna solve this. Lockjaw shows up, they go, they leave Frankie behind. Frankie is basically like, Oh, I don't want to be left behind. By the time the Fantastic Four show up, remember they have teleported there using Lockjaw, so it's instantaneous. The war with the Enclave is over. Yes. And the inhumans are fine. So you had a page of exposition that does nothing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Not only is the enclave over, but Maximus has sacrificed himself. Off-panel and
0: everything. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all of this. Turns out to be an introduction to going, oh, that plague, that plague is the same thing that was affecting Crystal back when she joined the Fantastic Four. The uh, Inhumans are essentially allergic to the modern world. And their solution is, uh, Reed says, we'll just put you on the moon. Right. There's the blue area of the moon. It's where the Watcher hangs out. We'll move the entire uh, Atalan city to the moon. They do so. Again, this is all in one 20-page comic, you guys. And that still isn't the end of the story, because after that, we then have Crystal giving birth to the kids. Yep. All of that is in 20 pages. Okay, getting back to the war with the Enclave. Yes, tell me. The war with the Enclave and the kidnapping of Medusa, which is mentioned uh, during... thing. Is the kidnapping of Medusa that happens in issue 207 by the shadowy figures who were never revealed. Those shadowy figures who were sponsoring... Yeah, the monocle, right.
0: Yeah. The yeah, Enclave
1: or whatever, right. But Burn, Burn is saying that was the Enclave all along. The Enclave, which is a name I didn't recognize and you don't recognize either, are the scientists who made him, a.k.a. Adam Warlock. Shit. Good Christ. Right? Here's the other thing that's crazy. So this story essentially all happens off panel. Yes. Quicksilver gives it all an exposition. Yeah. And then by the time he shows up, the war is over. Yeah. Maximus is dead. Yes. All of this is set up for an Avengers annual that'll be published a year later. Oh, fuck me. Really? Which reveals Maximus is dead. Yeah. It's all set up for an Avengers annual that comes out a year later. Wow. Wow. You know, isn't it, that an, it's, it is, because, it's because when you're reading this, couple, both mm-hmm. of us had you're like, What is actually happening here? Yeah, like, did an Inhuman series get cancelled and Burn is tying it up? Because yeah. that's what it reads like.
0: That's what it reads like,
1: except there's not any reference, there's
0: no editor's things, which are still a big deal. The editor's box of see this, see issue that, or whatever just aren't there, like. And so, I was like, The other thing is, is again, sort of like when a. The fact that Byrne jams all of this into one issue, which is insane, because he provides at least three issues of material that all
1: has to happen off panel. Like, and again. When we're talking about all this in an issue, we're like, I missed out the fact that there is like a two page sequence of Karnak. Finding the the flaw in Atalan's structure so yeah. that they can take it to the moon. What? There's a two-page sequence of the Alpha primitives talking to mm-hmm. Blackbolt. Yeah, I mean, there's the use of real estate in this issue. It's really weird. It's 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 completely weird and fucked up. The
0: thing that is amazing to me, and this again, this is the thing that I I brought up and perhaps badly, is is this weird burn as fanboy. Or burn as I don't know how to describe it, like crusader, essentially, as continuity crusader. Is like, I'm going, I'm interested in the cool thing that I'm doing that is playing with FF history or taking the next step of something. And I don't give a shit about the rest of how I would get there, you know? So it's like, Aunt Petunia, great. What's the rest of the story? Who gives a shit? You know, the the whole idea of like, here's Frankie Ray, here's Ben Grimm. Like, I've totally changed the status quo. Okay, how does that status quo look dif- now that it's different? Who cares? You know, Frankie Ray's a little bloodthirsty. Johnny and Frankie have no interaction whatsoever. Ben, it looks gruesome Does not act any differently, people just sort of seem to remark on it. And you have you literally have the Inhumans in a battle with the Enclave, which is an amazing idea, really, if you think about it. You have Maximus sacrificing himself, which is kind of an amazing character turn. You and Burn being Burn is more interested with the four page sequence of how he manages to get this city. Up into space and onto the moon. And also, let's not forget, he specifically calls out the fact that his his decision to place Adeline buries for all time the fateful spot upon which a young woman from Earth once died to save a universe... And this is where you get the editor box.
1: Exactly. Which does have the uh, the yeah, does yeah. have the asterisk C X Men 137.
0: Exactly. Let uh. the philosophers ponder the suitability of Adeline for her tombstone. Yes. Yes, John Byrne. Let's let the philosophers ponder that. What the fuck is going on with you that you're gonna take that story, which is the game changer And you're basically literally going to bury it with your bit of brilliant, I'll put the Inhumans on the moon, which again is, I like it as a step, but having read the, done the Avengers read through with you, Graham, feels very much of a pace with the sort of Grunwald era Marvel of sort of putting the toys back in the box. You know, it's that Mm. idea of like, Mm. Oh, the Inhumans are overused. We're going to put them on the moon next to the Watcher. Let's see this. Now, yeah. they, now they're now they just not going to pop up in just any old issue of Dazzler because you, you've got to get them to the fucking moon or back or vice versa. You know, so very it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a strangely self-defeating issue because it is so there's so much in it. And burn packs it, it should be such an epic, right? It is. It should be. And yet it is it is the if you look at it, the number of panels per page, how cramped everything is, like burn, you literally have the moving of a city, you have a great war, you have like a city through space and crashing on the moon. You have one page, literally one page that is a full-size page and everything else is done in these tiny 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 fucking panels that you would never really expect uh, from a writer-artist who's the, you know, an artist who is a writer, you know, that you would really, like, Byrne is so into doing what he's got to do in the length that he has promised himself that he is going to do it, that it it's just, it's strangely self-defeating, which is a shame because there's shit in here where it's like, I want to read that story. There, there was three points where I'm like, let me read the fucking story.
1: You know, like it's, it sounds pretty it, it's, decent. It's an issue. It's an issue full of, someone going oh and, and you missed this and it's great and then 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 this happened and then this happened then this happened yeah uh, but what they show you is weirdly dull well yeah like it's a, it's a it's a story it's a story for people who love process
0: exactly right it's because burn is he's like i'm way more interested in a city that moves and it wouldn't surprise me if he's like you know what the inhumans are dull you know i you kind of think it he loves drawing them but he's well aware an entire city of superpowers is hard as shit to construct a story around. Like Byrne is clearly by dialing things back to to be more reminiscent of the first thirty issues of the FF than, or the you know the first forty than than the second forty. He's 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 making some real choices about how you sort of recreate a story in a way that's interesting. And he's right, particularly compared to the 20 some odd issues, 30 issues that preceded him taking over. But he's also wrong in the sense of like, if he could have just let this shit breathe a little bit, I would have loved it instead of like, oh, that's pretty good. I guess. Why do I have a headache? I don't understand.
1: You know, (laughs) I, I, to sort of spin off that a bit, 241 is a story that is arguably too long. Oh, God. Well, yes. See, this is, again, this is... Two, two, right. mm-hmm. uh Two things to note about the structure of 241. One, it is split into six chapters. It's not an extra length story. just they're very short chapters. Yeah. And two, it is, for the first issue in a while, it's uh, an issue that has... A a subhead, a subtitle, and then a title. So it says the fantastic, the fabulous Fantastic Four discover they must render unto Caesar. Yeah, yeah, that made me happy. I mean, actually, might have been the thing that made me happy throughout the entire issue. You know, so uh, so here's the thing. Uh, This is one of those
0: classic. You this really, I think, would fit very comfortably in many ways between like say FF11 and FF20. It's it's a done in one that has all the staples of kind of Jack Kirby restlessness. It really seems like Jack Kirby rest, you know, 101. The FF are called in by shield because there's this mysterious power energy packet that went off in Africa and so they're going to go investigate and uh What they essentially find is an entire city of Rome where the Legionnaires are still alive, and boom, there's an all-powerful Roman who, boom, is going to more or less make everyone reenact a Star Trek episode. Again, it all feels... It is
1: very Star Trek, isn't it? Oh, Especially the end. Oh, my God, the end. To jump ahead. Well, actually, have we even talked about the fact that Black Panther is in this being completely ineffectual?
0: No, because that's the thing. I wanted to talk about how, like I said, the whole, from 11 to 20, I think we have the, like, FF, go new place, fight a villain that seems like a rehash of what Jack Kirby saw on TV three weeks ago is a perfectly viable, tried-and-true FF formula. What's weird is how, again... Because of the way that it's paced. Like, one thing that Kirby would not have done is he would not have spent three pages on the FF being told about the threat. And then another three pages of the FF more or less showing up at Wakanda and the Black Panther being like, "Lo, guys, there is no reason. Don't attack him, my, my people. Look, the FF, go over there. We'll give you some stuff, you know.
1: We'll give you we'll give you some cliche jungle clothes. We'll be, and right. then for no yeah, for no immediately apparent reason. What is the whole The Black Panther's going with him, but he's going undercover? Yeah. Undercover Panther. Why what, what is that about? And part of me part
0: of me's like, okay, Undercover Panther. What does Byrne do with something that he spends five pages setting up? Literally not a fucking thing. Like, not a fucking thing. And it's 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 a it's a weird it's such a weird issue it really is. Part of me is on the one hand the issue is bad enough and derivative enough and forgettable enough that I wouldn't want it to be two issues. On the other hand, at two issues, it something would have had time to so, land. You know
1: what I mean? Like any yeah, of it, it would it, have it's had. It's true. To make... it, it, at two issues, you might have actually had a chance for the Panther to to do something to have a reason to be in the story other than you get the feeling he's there purely because John Byrne is totally working out his, especially in this issue, is working out his Lee Kirby fetish. Yeah. The fact that you have the six different chapters, the fact that it does start with the fabulous Fantastic Four, Mm -hmm. it's, it feels very much like he has read, you know, FF 52 Mm -hmm. and gone. Oh shit. You guys, that's this shit's great. Mm -hmm. I'm totally going to do this. Well, um, oh, we haven't we haven't said the the, the Star Trek ending, which yeah. is the all powerful um, Roman decides, of course, that he's going to marry Sue. Because, again, of course, like if this was an X-Men comic, he'd be marrying Storm. That, yeah. That's, you know, exactly. that's the story, you guys. She manages to take off his helmet not entirely sure why she seems to think that's a great thing to do, but she takes off his helmet. There's nothing underneath, Jeff. Mm-hmm. He's just his power. His body has withered away. And then when he realizes there's nothing underneath, he literally goes "No!" and dies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's no. K- no. kind of a weird thing here that. I mean, there's stuff that Byrne introduces that I think he wants to be saying something about that he can't get around. Like, the fact that he... One of the things that's a big... First off, again, like you said, if this were an X-Men issue, it would be done differently. And I feel like this is Byrne, in a way, kind of... I'm telling a Chris Claremont story without a Chris Claremont. And so, therefore... Everyone's being mind-controlled, but don't worry, you guys. I'm not getting a boner over this, and I'm going to make sure that nobody gets a boner over this because I'm going to do it so goddamn dull, not a single boner will be in evidence. And as if that wasn't enough, there is – despite the fact that the Roman has this weird mind-control power, makes everyone do everything that he says – one of the things that I think is fascinating is is that he is he is super racist. This is a big deal for Byrne that is pointed out, underlined in the story, several times. Is is like this Roman dude is mega fucking racist. He makes comments that are clearly offensive. He actually talks about he silences the crowd because he made them all speak Latin, but the way that they were speaking them deeply offended him. Like. He's just, he's a, he's a, a re, he is a real shit, you know, but I, some, I sort of, I just don't understand, like, is the reason that the Black pan the Black Panther is in there so that Burns like, hey, they're super competent black people, you know, but he's not going to show them do anything? Like, there's a weird... This one really does have this weird level of like someone once got drunk and called John Byrne a racist at a party in Calgary. And he was like, Why, why, I never? And he sat down and was like, I'm going to show you this guy is a racist villain. And the Black Panther is like totally awesome because I will show you because he actually built robots, you know? And
1: it's just. <laughs> it's like, like, the Black Panther's great. Because he can jump. He can jump. That is all that guy does. He literally is like, I'm
0: so good, you guys. Check this out. I'm pouncing. He actually pounces at a character. You have so much stuff that can only be like 10 to 15 minutes of action. And it cuts back to the Black Panther more or less like in mid-pounce going like, oh, my God, they fall apart. What the hell, you guys? It's 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 a it's a it's a terrible
1: issue it really is it's a terrible and again it's, it's shit. like we loved the six issues the last time we yeah. really did yeah And this time we are you know we're four issues in and at least two of them we, we think are dogs T- two of them are dogs. It, it, oh my god yes mm-hmm. Nonetheless. Nonetheless, at this point like because i read i read all 10 in a one uh-huh. And even though 239 and 241 are not good comics, I still, the goodwill from the 6 before, and honestly, just the basic quality of Byrne's work, even in the shitty issues, oh, was carrying me through. Yeah, no, 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 You they, know? Yeah, exactly. I hadn't, lost, I hadn't lost faith yet, at all. No. I, and and I'm the same way. think mm-hmm. it's 242 and 243. It's good that I hadn't lost faith. Wow. Yeah. uh, 242, Terax the Untamed That's right, Terax is coming back But let me just Give you the opening narration of 242 Jeff, if you you don't mind No, please Space It has been called many things The endless ocean, the final frontier In truth, it is neither endless nor final For all its immeasurable vastness The cosmos is limited by the same laws Which bind the fleeting lives of man or woman Look there witness the cataclysmic death of a star older than our galaxy. Look here, the birthplace of the cosmos, a vast hydrogen cloud condensing slowly into particulate matter. What suns may be born here? What planets? Will there one day come fragile life forms to question the meaning of it all? Or will they be dead worlds staring at blind eyes, sorry, staring like blind eyes at a withering sun? Or will they die a burning leaving the shattered rem- remnants of a world that never was, racing through the unending night, falling through the silence perhaps to die like these spe- in spectacular flight across the sky of some distant world, unguessed by man. Though not all these flying mountains, it seems, are destined for extinction, one at least turns against the pool of gravity to strike a course of its own. That's an entire fucking page yeah. of terror people. you know
0: what i'm sorry graham on the one hand it's i don't it, it i i'm i i'm kind of like yeah Let's technically technically it's bad but i'm like it's it's over labored but it's over labored that i a fan of don mcgregor can sort of appreciate because <laughs> like i can i can support that yeah i can i can't the fact is john byrne spent Worked harder on that page than he did on the entirety of wendy 's friends post the ant petunia sequence, you know and i'm I'm kind of down with it, like I said he really was he wanted to make it work. I think it's hilarious that that one panel it wasn 't until you were reading it i'm like, why are those fucking things dying oh they're flying into a oh okay, got it they're they're into they're they're entering a planet's atmosphere, oh no idea. Like, it really was great. The thing of, like, he's got all this stuff. I'm like, you can't tell what's going on. And when you look at it, again, there's this idea of, like, you just look at that page. I I still look at that page. And I'm like, John Byrne is so aware that comic book artists are not respected in the comic book industry. And he, by God, is going to get respect. I mean, he literally overwrites his own art in a way that he would be furious at someone doing to him. You know, he just really does. He saps it of there's all that time spent trying to figure out a flow to cosmic nothingness. And then it just then you just layer on that mayonnaise, which is like you said, it's it's not the freshest mayonnaise.
1: It really is not. You know, <laughs> it it is. Not the freshest mayonnaise. I think that's a very good way of putting it. Also, I should, uh, I, I'm should i not going to read the next page of narration, but it is worth pointing out that it does end with what, to me, is a very Chris Claremontian uh, yes. line, mm-hmm. which is uh, it introduces Terex and it goes, now he is Terex the Untamed. He means to stay that way. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that he means to stay that way that I'm like, oh, you definitely have worked with Chris Claremont for years." Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's that idea of like, he's like, okay, I'm going to build it, build it, build it. And then I am going to do the, right. Oh, maybe there is something to, to Claremont's terseness. The part that I love is my, my one. I, I hate to say it, my favorite touch in this issue is when Reed touches, on the next page you get Reed basically taking down the Christmas tree. And uh, when he pushes the little star at the top of the tree, it goes click And it's spelled C-L-I-C with an exclamation point, which is which is the click that people who have read Euro comics are familiar with. And so it's kind of that was sadly, that was my favorite part, because this issue, I think, is notable for me of having not one but two instances where Byrne, who is whose best work shows a degree of thoughtfulness and innovation for panel layout more or less screws the pooch, I feel, twice. And one of those sequences really is the Christmas tree where Reed stretches up his hand and touches the top of the Christmas tree and it folds up. Byrne tries to take a series of three horizontal panels to show on the right-hand side the Christmas tree collapsing and packing up. But on the left-hand side reed stretching up to touch it to begin the action it doesn't make any sense visually it's 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 weird it's ugly the fact that 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 burn is trying to play with time the way that time breaks down in horizontal panels but but also while showing one continuous motion stretch across the three is a clever idea but by having you know what i'm saying like by having one action happen at one you know essentially the top panels the beginning of, of one of the end of the action that actually is in the middle of the sequence of actions is just yeah. it's just yeah. really messy it's really messy and weird and then similarly when terax shows up and you begin the super mega fight scene there's a double page spread which across the top is a series of vertical panels of the human torch about you know the human torch and, and mr fantastic getting their ass kicked by terex and then the thing shows up and punches terex and there's a beautiful overhead panoramic shot along the bottom of the page that shows um terex you know being knocked through like three separate buildings that should be awesome. But again, be, for me, at least the way that burn sets this up, as soon as your eye opens, turn, you turn the page, your eye is drawn to that final action that moves from left to right across the bottom of the page and completely renders useless. All the stuff that happens across the top of it
1: for me anyway. So yeah, it's true. It, it's uh, well, it, that's not what happened with me as much as I initially read, That bottom panel, which goes across the two pages, as part of the first page. Mm. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I like it, just literally did not work for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, so what actually happened with Slam? Oh, wait, it comes after the next three panels.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Which is always a little bit of a problem. I can see how that would happen, particularly in. Did you read it? Did you read it in the. Marvel Unlimited, the, or did the you read
1: scans. it the... Yeah, the The G I T course scan.
0: Yeah, and it honestly it comes out a little bit better in the um in the Marvel Unlimited one, strangely enough, because it does that thing of you turn the page, and suddenly you, it forces a double page spread on you, so you have to you you know it sort of primes you for the action of what you should be looking at. But here, sure. particularly with the scan, you've got a you've got that fold in between the pages and it really does it it looks like an interruption of the panel so yeah it's uh, it's it's anyway it's I, it's weird to do funky process stuff but i was just surprised i was really surprised because you go back and you look at the stuff that burns doing and again all of his stuff i still enjoy looking at his pages i'm just surprised by how much he he really gaffs some easy stuff and and stuff in the visual storytelling where he has
1: hands down, far more experience, you know? But I think that might be why he's he's screwing up. Mm-hmm. I think he might be working harder at the writing because it is newer to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Could be. That, that would make some sense. Also,
0: I don't mean to bring this up too early, but one of the other things that happens, we have a variety of weird stuff that happens before... Um, before Terex sort of lands and causes all sorts of creepiness. And one of the things I think is interesting is you catch Reed, and, uh, sorry, Johnny and Frankie out on a date and they are going to see uh drop in on Frankie's roommate, uh, Julie Angel and, or Julie D'Angelo. And in, there's a fun little moment where, Johnny looks over and recognizes that one of the buildings that's being, you know, in the process of urban renewal is the flop house where he found the Submariner. And now, of course, it's a theater district. So I like the little nod to gentrification in that point. But there's a weird thing that happens here and in 244, which is John Byrne is technically far more interested in Frankie Ray's
1: roommate than he is in Frankie Ray. And that's yes, but I I might be misremembering. But does that not actually pay off down the line? See, this is the thing. You would know better than I would. I would pray to God that it does. Because if it doesn't, I I have I have the strangest feeling like that it, that is not a plot point as much as when he writes Frankie out really soon. Mm-hmm. He works out some reason to keep Julie in the book. Yeah. And I, I might be misremembering, but that, that's definitely the way I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's true. For some reason, uh, Julie Angel, who is the most minor of characters, yeah. seems to get more screen time than yeah. Frankie, who's kind of a member of the team at this point.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if it's, again, this idea of Burn being, I'm going to... I'm going to beat Chris Claremont at his own game, and I'm going to make every minor character their own character. And I'm even going to, you know, bring out the depths of the story of the friend of the friend of the roommate of the roommate. Or if John Byrne just at this point was maybe trying to was banging or trying to bang a young actress in New York. But everything about it has is odd. Is is very
1: odd, right? It's so it's so so strange, and also there's just something about Julie Angel that's odd. Oh, yeah, visually, I'm not sure if it's just her on page. Oh, they're not numbered, which is a problem. The page which starts with uh, the page that they see the universe folding up. Yes, uh, the first panel on that page where you see Julie Angel, and there's something very wrong with her body, Jeff. There's something wrong with her body, when, which were yeah, she, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Where no. she's talking about the Reader's Digest article? Yeah, uh, I'll put this in the show notes. There's something very, very wrong with her body. Yeah,
0: no, there. I mean, there. It, it's one of those things. It's very odd. Is burn and there's this is nothing compared to two issues from now where she pops up. Doing her stretching exercises in her leg warmers, and you're kind of watching a keen kid doing aerobics, and it's distressing. That is not, those are two forms of terrifying kitsch that should never be pushed together,
1: you know? And it's, ugh. Unless in the mind of John Byrne. If uh, you notice that we're talking about everything other than the actual plot of this issue, which is uh, maybe purposeful yeah it might be i mean i for me part
0: of it is like i was shocked by that stuff the rest i guess maybe part of it is i don't know how i feel about this issue technically it is it is the john it's, it's burn fine. take on, it's, fine. it's fine it's fine it's kind of the john burn take of my his twist on when galactus's herald
1: shows up you know burn which beam, is burn. funny because yeah. he previously did that in the last batch of issues Oh yeah, you're right. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, the man with the power is this issue. That's right. Except the last time it wasn't Galactus that showed up; it was Ego, and this time it's actually Galactus. Yes. But it's the two-parter where the first parter is a different story, and he does that again mm-hmm. with the two-part Doom story in this run as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah He's yeah. really a fan of that formula. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So it it has a it kind of has that classic like. Oh, before Galactus shows up, the, there's like a mega, a mini disaster movie taking place in New York, and yep. Burn both somehow manages to heighten the idea of like holy shit, this is really bad. Like there's a sequence in which, uh, essentially, Terrax taking the ability to cleave off Manhattan from the rest of the New York, he slices through bridges, he cuts through tunnels as a child's shovel might carelessly cleave a burrowing worm and you actually see the tunnels flood up with water in like a true you know modern movie day oh shit this is bad effect and what i love about it what and, and yet what's interesting for me is is that burn does that kind of uh, sort of fanboy like But yeah, sure, if all of New York was having this happen, wouldn't all the superheroes in New York basically get their act together and try and do something? And so you have several pages of a Fantastic Four comic without the Fantastic Four in any appreciable way, and you get Iron Man, Thor, and hilariously enough, Daredevil, who managed... Oh, and Spider-Man. Oh, and Spider-Man, right. Spider-Man actually and and i think this is again burn being quite deliberate like iron man and thor manage to save thousands and do a, an amazing you know amazing miraculous stuff particularly thor who more or less starts a hurricane at the bottom of the ocean and pushes parts the waves So that Iron Man can, like, save everyone that, you know, that already would have been dead in the tunnel. But, you know, let's pretend they're still alive. And comically enough, Daredevil's like, whoops, almost missed this building. And Spider-Man's like, shit, my web's not sticking to that thing. Wow, we barely saved ourselves. And I'm kind of like, that's both funny. Also, let's, let's face it, Graham. Remember what I said about when John Byrne is bored, the whiteout breaks out? There's an awful lot of whiteout.
1: You, you, I I do love that um <laughs> that Sue has to make the energy field visible because again, that's the power that John Byrne really likes to remind us of yeah. that Sue can make the invisible visible. Yes. Uh but what that actually means is everything just gets white. Yeah. Yeah, everything that's all it just means. Gets, it's like
0: hmm And let's face it, there's a weird thing in which Burn is is weirdly cannibalizing himself because the big deal that Terax is doing, and it kind of is that he's more or less lifting Manhattan off into space, and at the end of the issue, he says to the FF, okay, you've got to beat Galactus for me. You beat him before, you've got to beat Galactus for me, or I will hurl this the this space-bound city of Manhattan into his ship and kill millions of people is is kind of a, it's a big idea and once again burn draws it in the smallest possible ways it's so understated that i mean not only is he cannibalizing his whole like hey we're moving a whole city through space you guys like that's just something that burn like two issues later was like holy shit i got to move more cities through space this is this is the this is the shit this is like when epic not realize up, how great it was oh my god i've got to tell you you cannot wait until epic illustrated starts up and i'm going to have a mega part story called the space city movers and it's all about guys who move cities in space shit you guys it's amazing um and yet weirdly he really can't seem to manage to give it anything that image anything more than the smallest panel on a three on a three panel page. Like that's about it. It's it's kinda of fascinating this issue. So I think that's the problem, Graham. On the one hand, everything that's happening in this issue is kind of uh should be amazing, but you kind of flip through it kinda of quickly being like, uh, uh-huh, okay, uh huh
1: and huh, okay. They've got to destroy well, Galactic let- Let's talk about the hut at the end because what is really telling for me is that Burn fucks up his own finale. Mm. The cliffhanger instead of showing you Galactus, yep. he shows you Galactus's ship, yep. which is a, a like it's literally a circle. Yeah, <laughs> it's a white circle in, this, in space, and then cuts to Tarek's pointing at it, mm. going, "You have to kill Galactus, you guys." i suppose supposed to show you Galactus. Like, oh. it, it's, you know, you, you've talked about Burn the Writer uh, flattening Burn the Artist. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that you don't see a good shot of Galactus. He's, He's... literally telling, not showing. No.
0: no. It it kind of reminds me of what I find, you know, I remember basically Todd McFarlane splitting off and forming Image Comics, And one of the things that he said was he was really tired of being like David Michelini would write a script where Spider-Man would have to fight a bunch of henchmen and McFarlane would have to draw all those henchmen. And it kind of bugged him. You know, he was like, it's a lot of work to draw shit I don't care about. And you kind of get the sense that Byrne here is like, okay. I, you know, he himself is like, ah, don't make me draw fucking Galactus again. It's probably not a surprise that Galactus' ship, which in the past, I don't know, it, it basically looks like a, a a some sort of you know Steve Jobs product that Steve Jobs himself was like, eh, it's a little too dull. It's basically a big white globe with a little <laughs> dot in the middle, you know, and facing it, what, what like, up to the pretzel ship? Yeah. What happened to the pretzel ship? Clearly Burns like too much trouble to draw. Let's face it. Galactus. Galactus is kind of an in and out guy. Like this really does. It's like, uh, it sort of is a monochromatic Benoit ball in space and what's meeting it like a big glob of mayonnaise with the top two stories of the Baxter building on top, because I'm John Byrne and I love white out, especially when I had to draw so many fucking panels this issue. You guys too many panels. You know, it really was. He was like, I'm so tired after drawing Julie Angel's rehearsal scene that Galactus is, Galactus is the least of my worries. You know, it's bad prioritization. A shockingly
1: bad prioritization from an artist. That actually was the uh, working title of this issue. 243! <laughs> the Fabulous Fantastic Four must ask, shall Earth endure? Yeah. channeling stanley like a fucking champ there john yeah, Byrne. it's true it's awesome. Stanley presents a slightly significant saga slightly significant i think is slightly telling yeah <laughs> um yeah it's it's uh it's it's a comic uh it's the middle chapter of mm-hmm. the galactus epic that i wish was an epic but at least does feature galactus you know, um,
0: again, it's this weird thing where it should be awesome. Like, Burn has a lot of stakes here. Like, we know that Terax is, is basically a shit heel. And again, I find it very telling that Burn is bringing back Terax, which is a character that he more or less co-created with Marv Wolfman, to basically make him this mega threat, or so you would think, and then you've got Galactus, who in theory is completely ebbed at his weakest point, And you've got the FF basically stuck between, you know, the frying pan and the fire. And, and, and essentially, how do you resolve that? And interestingly enough, in true John Byrne fashion, there's a little bit of the persnickety, like, come on, you guys, think about it. It's Galactus... If it's his Herald, he's going to be able to wipe him out in a page. And you really do see Terax, after seeing him, like, you know, basically slap everybody and take Manhattan and, and throw it into space. He more or less gets, like, you know, just slapped down in a page. And then the rest of the comic is more or less... Uh, the Marvel Universe beats up Galactus, which it which Byrne does a pretty good job of establishing. They can only do because Galactus is all but drained of his power,
1: you know? Um, and I love that Galactus loves to tell everyone that he is – Galactus does Galactus must to survive. I do love the way that Byrne writes Galactus. Still, yes. my deeds weigh upon me, and so does my very sanity totter upon a razor's edge. Mm-hmm. Thus do I draw upon the last bitter dregs of energy stored within my ship. Thus do I gird myself once more for battle. Galactus is replenished; my limbs grow strong again, but my resources are spent. Victory must now be mine, or Galactus shall not fight again.
0: Let's face it—you a- a- really like, know.
1: I just gonna, like explain for you. Yeah,
0: it, it's if you ever I- I listeners, if you ever end up having to face down Galactus for the fate of the planet, just fucking challenge him to a game of poker. You're gonna be, you're gonna be gold. Like he's like, Galactus has drawn a pair of twos, but the rest are garbage—a five and an eight and a nine. It looks like Galactus has no choice but to draw. You know, the guy's like, he's gonna <laughs> let you be, know. What's Galactus going on.
1: must bluff.
0: <laughs> exactly. Galactus must go all in. You just told me you had a pair of twos. Did Galactus? No, I meant aces. Galactus can't count. You're going
1: down. What I like about your impression there is you did the same thing Burton does, which is he switches between third and first person for no reason. Oh yeah. That's well that's, that's Galactus is like... tired, I must have toast. Did I say <laughs> I I mean Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> but he does. That's kinda of Galactus, you know? It's, funny. it's
0: it's it is kind of that thing of Galactus fronts a lot. A lot. Like there really is. It's a lot it's a lot, a lot of tell with Galactus that make you think that maybe the dude is overcompensating. Which makes sense because let's face it, whenever you counter Galactus Galactus is like, I have no choice but to eat food. Like, let's face it, Graham. Like, let's say that you or I miss a meal, right? You know, it's not like, I must have this sandwich and the sandwich is fighting you and you're like, fuck you. You know what I mean? I'd be like, fuck it. I'm going to go get something else. Like, Galactus is unable to really deal. He really should have been the next member of Sex in the City or something. You know what I mean? Because he's just, he just cannot. He's just neurotic as hell, and he just can't deal with his food needs in a way that is. He's like he's like Kathy, ah, uh, from the comic strip Kathy. So yeah. Ick.
1: <laughs> so Galactus says. Exactly. Galactus must act. <laughs> Gal- <laughs> Galactus, I guess.
0: <laughs> Oh my God, I can't believe you made it worse and you did. Galactus. Oh, everyone. How I not? Uh, please, Graham, I know you can draw. Please draw Kathy from the comic strip, Kathy, dressed as Galactus. You've got to. You just have to more or less do the <laughs> eyes and like the hair coming out from under the helmet. It's all you have to do. It's gold. It's waiting to be gold for us. Oh, God. Anyway,
1: so listeners, um,. Moving on, <laughs> I think that's two forty-three. I just we need to say anything more? Oh, we do. We do. We need to talk about the fact that even first of all, the Avengers show up and fight Galactus, and that goes absolutely nowhere. Doctor Doom shows up and uh, distracts Galactus, leading to Ben using Mister Fantastic as a catapult and being thrown into Galactus's face, which defeats Galactus. Galactus collapses, leading to. The cliffhanger for the next issue but before that you have frankie ray going something's going on but galactus he's really dreamy let me let me go and explore galactus let me find out what this galactus thing is all about yeah because that's the character we've seen through all these issues before definitely that's completely consistent it's not like john Byrne's like oh shit wait i've got an idea okay this is what we're doing now
0: you know which which is a really interesting question. First off, I know since you edit this podcast, you will absolutely hate yourself if I don't point out to you that when you said Doctor Doom, you meant Doctor Strange, which is totally fine and understandable. But um, uh,
1: I, I did I I, I did mean Doctor Strange, but I said Doctor Doom yeah. because he's not in this issue and he's not <laughs> on the cover. Of the See, this was it. supposed thought, that
0: you? that was supposed to be the original cover for this with John Byrne being all like ah. Doctor Doom's not in this issue, but ah, Galactus comes back. The, doctor is, the doctor's in. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's I do you think I feel like he came up with the idea once he was like, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring back Frankie Ray. I know where I'm gonna take her, I'm gonna give her the Human Torch's powers uh, and tired to Phineas Horton. But it's clear... I thought that it was pretty clear that he's just doing that so that he can have her fly off into space, settle a problem with Galactus's heralds once and for all, do a bit of John Byrne house-cleaning slash clarification about the nature of Galactus, which, like any good fanboy, is something that, that John Byrne's got a lot of opinions on. And... And so what I find – again, what I find fascinating is this idea that he's trying to set stuff up with – because there's – nothing happens with Frankie Ray since she's introduced. There's no movement with her and Johnny other than she's a little bit bloodthirsty. And then in this issue, she's weirdly drawn to Galactus. Like you said, there's something where she's like –
1: She is is utterly bloodthirsty until this issue when all of a sudden she's like, oh, Galactus – I've got to find out more about this Galactus dude and just leave Sue as well. Yeah. Like, it's not even as if, you know, there there is – she is part of the fight. She's just like, Sue, you seem really upset. I'll be right back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, if I would ended up being like an FF writer in the early 90s or whatever, I would have brought back Nova – as essentially a tool of Dr. Doom used to siphon all of Galactus's energy off of off of him, because it's clear she's be, she's so she seems what what's fascinating in 243 is you see Frankie Ray acting more or less like she has no agency. And yet the entire point of 244 is, is that Frankie Ray actually has way more energy uh, agency then, uh, then kind of the FF we're willing to give her credit for, and and it's kind of, again that's a little bit of a dramatic I- uh, idea that that I feel like Burn kind of bungles, you know. Um, for me, a two forty four to me, which I was so looking forward to, feels like a lot of a lot of blown opportunities, so to speak.
1: Um, 244 is called Beginnings and Endings, unless, like me, you go for the full sentence, in which case it's actually called It's Difficult to Know Where to Start, says Reed Richards. It's a Tale of Beginnings and Endings. (laughs) (laughs) And let's just pretend that that is the full title of the issue. It's Difficult to Know Where to Start, says Reed Richards. It's a Tale of Beginnings and Endings. Mm -hmm. It's catchy. Yeah. So what actually goes on is Galactus has collapsed uh, after being attacked by the collective might of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four in the previous issue, but Reed realizes that that's really bad. Mm-hmm. You don't want Galactus to die. That could be a big problem. Right. So the team work to bring Galactus back to life, mm-hmm. uh, and they succeed, which mm-hmm. which is great. Go team! Yes. And Galactus is like you guys, I'm now in your debt, but I've got a bit of a problem. I'm hungry. I said I wasn't going to eat your world. Then you said it was okay in the last time I came back, but now I feel like I shouldn't because you've just brought me back to life. Mm. But I'm super hungry, you guys. And I don't even have a Herald anymore because Terex turned out to be a dick and I just had to kind of kill him. Yeah. So what am I going to do? And Nova goes, not even Nova, Frankie goes... Uh, remember how I just walked off panel last issue? I've mm-hmm. come back and I, I'll totally me. I'll I'll be your Herald. That'd be great. I'm... No. Right. Right. What? No. Yeah. yeah it, uh, it, and, that's, it, and that's your issue, people. Well, that, that it, pretty it, much is your issue. <laughs>
0: That's pretty much it. Although it's worth mentioning that Burn in a wait, you know, with the high drama of like, what the fuck is going to happen of the previous issue? He does do such an amazing job of opening the story with Julie Angel exercising, doing her aerobics and her leg warmers, and then opening the door to find kind of a weepy... Johnny Storm who looks emaciated and I, I maybe dying, distraught Johnny yes, Storm. Yes, exactly. And you know, you see her do some stuff. I mean, again, it's that classic burn for whatever reason is like, uh, yeah, let's do let's do 3 pages of a of a I don't know, like the least dramatic way to open a story as a way to make you think that you missed an issue and therefore you're freaking the fuck out because from where it ended, which is Galactus collapsed, and people being like, "Oh shit, he's dying, We have to save him uh, you instead cut to this opening that makes you think that you missed an issue, and i and part of me is like again, it's that idea of burn is going to try and keep you off balance at the risk of by making like sort of the story. worst possible story choice, you know it's
1: kind of yeah, yeah. he 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 is he's determined to zig when you think he's going to zag the problem being that sometimes you really should zag you really should
0: like zigging makes is not uh, is and so it's fascinating to me because it really does I'm like wow no wonder why burn really has it in for Brian Bendis because because this was that was a Bendis opening that was a classically dramatically blown ending that I associate with Bendis and burns kind of pissed that he stole his thunder there. So Frankie Ray, sadly, ends up being interesting really only kind of once she leaves, uh, which is a bummer. When she walks out and Johnny's like, hey, baby, come on. He actually says, hey, come on, babe. I don't know what you think you're up to, but if Reed can't come up with the answer, there's no way you can. And she's like, don't be so kind to of Johnny. I have the answer, an answer only I could give or would want to. And, you know, let's face it. If Frankie had been... Essentially a character that we didn't understand because like a, a character whose bloodthirstiness, but also maybe like a little bit of coldly calculating the way that she is in exactly one panel here. It would, I mean, one page here, it would be a really interesting, She'd be a really interesting character, I guess, in all the previous issues. Which
1: she wasn't,
0: you know, and and it's such a shame. Well,
1: well, that's just it. I mean, it's you. It's funny you say like she's interesting that just as she leaves because she's not. As soon as she becomes Nova, as soon as Galactus powers her up, she has no personality at all. I mean, she literally just flies off. Yeah. Well, yeah, she she off. But before off, that, but, the, yeah. the, 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 where where she essentially comes up and goes, "No, I like I have nothing keeping me here." And I can be the solution by becoming your herald is pragmatic to a degree that she has never been before. And I wonder if the bloodthirstiness that we've seen previously is meant to be the same thing. Uh, I wonder yes. if all of it has meant to be like a bluntness of this is the solution. Right. The no. quickest way to deal with this problem is to kill this dude. The quickest way to deal with the abusive father is to set him on fire. Right. You know, it's it's – if that had been a through line that had really connected, that would have made her a much more interesting character. Yeah, I,
0: I I definitely agree. I mean, as it is, there's something that to me, I mean, what I find fascinating, again, is Byrne is kind of trying to correct something that must have driven him crazy during Marv Wolfman's Galactus storyline that Byrne was illustrating, which is this idea that, you know, essentially this is the story of Galactus and the three bears, except the bears are heralds. You know, Norin Rad was too cold, and Terax the Tamer was too hot. But Frankie Ray is just right. You know, she's not a bleeding heart liberal, but she's not an amoral monster. She's actually someone who is going to be totally fine if, you know, basically hunting down worlds for Galactus to eat. And if they happen to be bad people on those worlds, that's not going to bother her, you know? And again, for myself, I think that, and it's a shame, John Byrne is not the dude to tell this story and the 80s were not the time to to tell the particular story. But the idea of a woman who doesn't really know who she is and more or less finds out that she, you know, is is basically someone who's had her entire personality overwritten by her father to keep her from developing her superpowers. And then more or less is stuck with a group, a family of people who more or less see, are ridiculous in their level of self-righteousness and insist on know, that they know what's best at all times. The idea of having someone who is like a woman who's like, I am willing to trade all of this to get to the stars, you know, is, is kind of interesting. And again, that idea, she doesn't really give Johnny like a second thought. When she says she has nothing holding her back, we've seen her be in what just appears to be like an incredibly blissful love relationship over six issues clearly doesn't matter to her and it's interesting the degree to which i feel like Byrne could not come up with a way to sort of dramatize this idea that frankie is just not that into johnny she's into the life johnny's lifestyle
1: but she's not really into him she's into what yeah she's into what johnny represents Yes, Because you even see when she, when Galactus basically says, okay, I'll give you power. She says, yeah. I don't need empowering Galactus. I have power enough already. And yeah. then says, flame on, really interestingly. Yeah, like, exactly. She, she's You're into right. the idea of being the Human Torch, not actually into the Human Torch. Exactly. Exactly. And, and in a way,
0: in a sort of... The way that this could have been a superhero version of Pamela DeBar's I'm With The Band... That's uh, fascinating. It really could have been a work of uh, you know that kind of strange um, proto-feminism working at trying to figure out trying to figure out find a place for itself. And yeah, she does. She doesn't want to sleep with the human torch. She wants to be the human torch, and this is her opportunity to do it. And she takes it. And there is a little bit. I will for whatever else. Um, What I think is interesting is, is that Byrne does not condemn her for that choice. You know, it is not, he does not think that she is, you know,
1: just a flat out bitch for doing that. And I, and I appreciate that. He actually, he doesn't, he doesn't really do anything with that choice at all. Interestingly enough. Yeah. Like it's played entirely neutral. Yes, exactly. Which is and this
0: is also the thing that you can tell is a big deal with him and Galactus. Like I'm sure this I had, didn't read I haven't read this storyline, but I know we'll be coming to the trial of Galactus. But it is very clear from the way that Reed Richards treats Galactus in this issue that you can't deal with Galactus on the scale of good or bad. And and it's kind of great that, that Byrne doesn't feel like treating Frankie's choice you know, the same way. Also, I do want to point out that I thought this was a lovely touch and it's surprisingly understated. The first issue where Frankie gets her powers, um, she ends up flying using her power to fly up towards space. And then and and Johnny's like, You can't do that, you can't do it and sure enough she flames out and starts falling back to earth and he catches her and maneuvers her back in and coerces her like and in this issue. He chases her. She flies up into space, and instead of flaming out, she she breaks through the atmosphere. And 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 Johnny is
1: is the person and who Johnny up is the back. Johnny is the one. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And I and yeah. I, and that was the, I'm like, that's a that's not accidental, and that's kind of a really nice little touch. It just, but at but by the same token, somehow Byrne just kind of like he just. You see, John, and of course, you see Johnny's. You you know, sort of the same way that Burn is going to be like, I'm going to recreate the wheel and I'm going to create it better. Like we see once again, heartbroken Johnny Storm, who is, you know, fate has torn him from the woman that he's convinced that he truly loves, and and on the one hand, you can see Burn being like, "Yep, nailed it," but he, but it does, it didn't feel like he did to me, you know. Which is... he,
1: he doesn't what is really interesting to me about the uh i've you know i've lo- lost every woman i've truly loved is that that's immediately followed by uh julie angels essentially going if you ever need to talk you have my number yes and johnny gives her kind of a brush off and does it not seem to set out like julie is the right woman i don't know i kind of had that thing of yeah it seems like
0: it but, I mean, I there's this thing where I'm like, I'm assuming that's why Julie gets so much time, so much more development or so much more interest is paid to her life than is paid to Frankie Ray throughout Frankie's thing. But, but part of me is like, but who knows? I mean, honestly, I had this thing of like, I'm like, but how many times has, like, how many women has this actually happened to with Johnny? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, didn't it, hasn't it really? Well, it's Crystal just... and Frankie. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Where he's like, must this happen every time? And I'm like, wait, I think I can see why I'm confused because it more or less happens with Crystal like three times. But we're still kind of in, it's, it's kind of like, this is just the second time. Like, you know, it's, it, but I mean, come, Johnny. It, come on, Johnny, come on. I mean, I'm sure everyone would point out, well, well, duh, he's young, but there is, you know, he's a teenager. He's supposed to feel this stuff as if it's the most heartbreaking. Oh, my God, this is my life. Why am I cursed kind of way? But at the same time, I'm sort of like. It, it, it's it, it. It it just so should have been a slam dunk, Graham. Right? I'm shocked by looking at these Galactus issues being like. All of this should have been a slam dunk. Like, Burns takes the time to break out three issues to one story after doing re- meticulously p- packed, or maybe not so meticulously packed, done in ones. And and somehow he's still... Like, it's more satisfying than the last time we saw Galactus, by far. But it's still kind of... Mm,
1: eh. You know. Eh. Well... I- the thing is also, it's eh for Galactus, but more importantly, like, Frankie Ray's plot goes nowhere. It's a yeah. really bland ending for for the subplot that has been going on in this series since Burn took over. Like, well, this is where it goes. Yeah. And even this, you think that it's going to go somewhere else, or maybe yeah. that's just me, but it oh. doesn't feel like an ending. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, because I, I, I do feel there's a little bit of like, yeah, I, th- there is a point of you would kind of hope that when it when that happens you're like okay this is this is going to go somewhere this is going to pay off somewhere part of me has read enough burn to know that Byrne is a big fan of he really wants to create a fixed status quo and then and then that's the status quo you know what i mean like he's very much a okay i fixed this this is now the way that it should be forever and ever like and so there is a little bit of his not his endings sometimes feel like non-endings because because i think he even says there might even be a thing where it's does he do the yes now and forevermore shall you be the herald of galactus and you know he's burn you know apart from the shit with the thing like you know he's either saying like okay you guys i'm going to undo this in six issues or he's like, No, I'm serious. Anyone who writes Galactus after me, it's gotta be Nova. The end. You know? And um I don't know. Can we talk about how Collins finally thank God at least John Byrne is like managed to be like, Well, here's something that I've been meaning to tie up for a long time.
1: In Prologue One
0: Yeah
1: Yes. So let's also talk about Prologue One and Prologue Two. Yeah. The something that is fascinating about this is after you get the big Frankie conclusion and the big yeah. Galactus conclusion, yeah. which we should say, Frankie flies off into space and Galactus just goes, oh, I guess we're done here now, you guys, see you later, And turns into clouds. <laughs> um, and that's that's not a joke. The carrier <laughs> Nimbus billows around his giant form and Galactus is gone. Galactus turns into clouds, people. Yeah. Um, you get uh, six pages? Mm-hmm. Five pages of, of more story. Yeah. Which feels very... Uh, lee and kirby again mm-hmm. the way that we you know when they were doing the original galactus story for example yes good issue good point is mm-hmm. only half of it is galactus and That's then you right. get more shit happening afterwards mm-hmm. um so you get the rebuilding of the baxter building in prologue one where uh mr collins what is his name
0: Hapsworth collins, collins or something i want to say but i don't i don't remember
1: bluster Collins. Uh, he shows up to be like, Oh, what have you done to my building? And Reed out of nowhere buys the fucking building back.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And apparently, for a lot of money, and I say for a lot of money because Collins walks past the Invisible Girl so happy that dollar bills are literally floating off the top of his head.
0: Mm hmm. hmm.
1: Yeah. So that's a thing, I guess. <laughs> That then leads into the... uh, Reed finally goes, oh shit, like six issues ago, we brought back Doctor Doom in a coma. I I should probably do something with that body. I'll call the Latverian Embassy. Only for the Latverian Embassy head to be standing next to Doctor Doom. What? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And that is then followed by Prologue 2, where we discover that A, John Byrne draws children as overweight middle-aged men. seriously and i'm so that, glad
0: you said that, that Fra- i was like i don't know what i was like at eight but i did not or four and a half or however old franklin's supposed to be but i'm like wh- why is that kid so chubby that seems a little weird
1: right also like chubby in a way that he is not when he's clothed we yeah. should say this is because franklin is putting on his clothes in the first battle and then when you see franklin dressed he has a different body type Yeah Like something weird Is going on With John Byrne here Um But anyway Uh Franklin is given The Rubik's Cube That Ben has been sent By the Yancy Street Gang And gets so annoyed at it He uses his magical powers To fix it Which Scares Replacement Herbie So much That he explodes Next issue Perhaps the most Heartrending FF saga ever Childhood's End Don't miss it Spoilers John Byrne doesn't know What heartrending means (laughs) You know, well, again, actually, the thing that that
0: I I'm sort of fond of *Child Childhood's End* because because the what what John Byrne thinks is heartrending, of course, is it's 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 not what you think, true believers. It's more along the lines of some of the stuff that we were talking about in the previous podcast, where Ben Grimm's psychology uh, is the part that I think is supposed to be heartrending to us. You know, not so much the issue. Oh my God! So
1: yeah, let, Childhood's End. As 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 will <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: ah. ch- Childhood. Shall we just move on to uh, two forty-five? Two forty-five. The Invisible Girl fights alone for the life of her son. Childhood's End! Exclamation points says the cover. The story, however, doesn't have the exclamation point. It's just called Childhood's End. No exclamation points. Yeah. However, <laughs> woman to woman, woman to woman, woman to woman. That's right. It's the issue where the Invisible Girl goes on national television to talk about how she's not embarrassingly sexist. She's an empowered woman, and she'll prove it by being maternal. Yeah, it, this,
0: uh, there is, I mean, honestly, the rest of the other stories are bungled opportunities and things that kind of are distressing in various little ways. This is such a weird, creepy, it, it, only if Sue Storm had shown up and more or less had to talk about feminism with an actual straw man would this have been more bald-facedly embarrassing in the sense of Barbara Walker, who sounds like Barbara Walters, who has never been as weirdly shrewish and harridan like and insistent that sue storm is a bad feminist uh as what we
1: get well, in well okay first... yes. you say that mm-hmm. but uh something i discovered this week and you probably saw this as well is the there was the twitter meme dressed like a woman yes based on something that uh our our wonderful new president said uh, that included, that Twitter meme included an excerpt of an interview with Catherine Hepburn and, Bath- and Barbara Walters, mm-hmm. where Barbara Walters really did give Catherine Hepburn shit for not wearing skirts. Oh. Like, in- surprisingly strongly. Uh huh. Which ended in the, the beautiful line from Catherine Hepburn. Uh, so she eventually asks Catherine uh, Hepburn, Do you even own a skirt? Mm-hmm. And Catherine Hepburn says, Yes, I own a skirt. And Barbara Walters' response is just one. And Catherine Hepburn says to her, I'll we I'll wear it to your funeral.
0: <laughs> that's
1: beautiful. But I mean,
0: I guess that's what I'm saying, is is that that that's not that's Barbara Walters attacking Katherine Hepburn for not being conventionally female enough. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what the zeitgeist was. I mean, maybe Byrne is taking that and flipping that in a way that that I'm like a little too dim to understand. But it just... The the weird cast of those first four issues is very much Burn tr- basically doing that lecturing, hectoring thing. That I think he goes on to do in his comics farther on down the line. Where it's like, I'm literally going to explain you guys... Why the Invisible Woman is not a bad feminist. Stop writing to the letters pages like this. And it's its just kind of... its Not only is it creepy and wrong, but it's also a really dull waste of space. Even as even as Byrne is like, you know what, I'm doing this as, I, in the framework. I'm going to explain the origin of the Fantastic Four and who everybody is. And this is another one of those jumping on issues. But it's just it's 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 bad before you get to the Star Trek episode part. You know what I mean? And so and then you get mm-hmm. to the Star Trek episode part, which really is um
1: I don't know, super obvious. You know, essentially Yeah, so, it's it's, it's astoundingly yeah. so. Uh the four are being uh, attacked. Well not even attacked. There is a tall blonde man with a long beard and long hair who is very distraught and has godlike powers. But guess what, everyone? It's future Franklin. Franklin has been magically turned into an adult because his power, he can't contain it. And he's so sad. And his mother is the only person who recognizes him because, of course. And then he's like, no, I have an idea. I will turn the thing back into the thing that you guys all recognize. And he does. And then Franklin's a kid again.
0: The end. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this issue is probably so important in the sense of uh, the amazing website, the FF as great American novel, um, more or less. I believe a lot of the theories of why the FF never change or why they're stuck in a form of stasis because of essentially Franklin's powers, I that rather brilliant idea, I think, has... Uh, uh, gets a lot of juice from this issue because you you do have Franklin. There's a rather open acknowledgement that his powers are more or less godlike, uh, and yet he can't... All he can do, essentially, is use those godlike powers to keep himself, you know, a kid and to keep everything the same, Forever and ever again.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. It, it's not just that he's, he restores himself to being a kid, which, if nothing else, is where he should be at this point. Like, right. he gets artificially aged, so he's really putting himself back. It's that he restores the thing to the thing that everyone remembers. Yeah. That, that he, he restores that status quo. Yes. Uh, that, that is, is, but also, really unearned. Again, yeah. nothing has been done with Ben Grimm's transformation. That's right. There there was the nod at, why is it so weird that he's not more upset? But nothing was ever actually done with it. Yeah. And then he just turn, turns him back. Yes. And again, it's this idea, sort of the
0: same way that Frankie becoming Nova, because that's the perfect herald that you kind of need. The, the whole exercise, apart from giving um, – burn a chance to really show everyone that the Fantastic Four, that he's, you know, has really finally escaped the shadow of Joe Sinnott. Um, Is, is this weird, you know, a, a really lovely idea at the end that, that, that essentially Ben, the reason why Ben can never fully turn back into Ben Grimm from the thing is, is that he believes that if he does, Alicia won't love him anymore, and that she only loves <laughs> the things she doesn't love. Ben, and so essentially, Ben Grimm is his own worst enemy. That will prevent a cure. It's, it's, it's a very, um, it's a, it's a very lovely idea. It's just Burn has done an absolute shitty job of delineating it all the way through at this point. You know, he really is, um, in part because once Ben ends up being a a more grotesque version of the thing, he's actually happy. He, He is the least neurotic over these last six issues. And so there's a little bit of an idea that Reed is hung up on trying to cure him. It's like, why would you? You know, it this actually also reminds me of something that is kind of weirdly creepy about the end of Exodus, where the big punch is, is that Crystal, who's an inhuman and Quicksilver, who is uh, a mutant, produce a perfectly normal child. Like there's a regular because, human because they're baby genes born. Cast each born. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, it's, it's a weird, you see something in there again, that is Burns essentially conservative nature that, you know, is diametrically opposed to someone like Grant Morrison, who is kind of like, it's great that they're freaks. We're all freaks, you know, what, 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 what. What he believes and brings, or someone like Claremont brings to the X Men, the idea that these people aren't, you know, aren't abnormal if, as long as they feel okay, as long as they can, as long as they can believe in themselves, it's all right what they are. Byrne kind of has a little bit of that, no, you guys, this is bad. Like, we have to fix. Ben Grimm even though I've gone to great lengths to make Ben Grimm seem perfectly happy and Alicia's happy
1: why it just feel
0: it feels weird it, exactly like,
1: what what exactly is the problem here
0: <laughs> yeah what's the problem here like why why is it i mean again by the time you get to this idea burn has um, the thing that I love so much about Terror in a Tiny Town is is that Byrne has thought a lot about, and I think has come up with a really interesting, convincing idea about Ben Grimm's neurosis. Uh, but but the problem is is that that it's just an idea. He can't figure out how to dramatize it. He he doesn't dramatize it in in these issues.
1: Well, that that is something that I think these issues as a whole show. Mm -hmm. which is burn is actually pretty good as a concept guy. Yeah. But when it comes to fleshing out the concepts and actually turning it into drama, Mm -hmm. he he's really not that good.
0: No, he's not. He knows that there has to be a certain amount of crash and bang. He's, he's good at figuring, figuring out how to take the idea and dump it into, uh, into formula. But not in a, not in an innovative way, not in a way that really serves the ideas well. But in an idea that sort of serves turning out a regular comic, you know. And, and that's 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 really it's kind of a shame, you know. Because again, I the 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 thinking behind it, like you said, the ideas of it are are great. But then, what happens? And I feel but that the way ex, about
1: the execution is it's really, yeah. yeah. And, and let
0: we I think we do have to talk – I think that's a perfect way to bring us into issues 246 and 247, which, again, feel
1: uh, – uh, I don't know, Graham. Do, 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 you, do you want to go about – Can the fact of Fantastic Four solve the riddle of too many dooms? First of all, there should be a question mark there, uh, yeah. people. There's not. Too many dooms also makes me think of too many kooks. Yes. I, I had that song on my head. It's oh god! Really annoying. Most importantly, two forty-six actually follows out from an issue of Micronauts, Jeff.
0: Yes, I, I, which is this, just this amazing.
1: Issue, it's mm-hmm. Set up by issue forty-one of Micronauts, and let me tell you, it's fucking <laughs> great. It's everything you'd want it to be. Yeah. By which it is the Micronauts who are on Earth, and as people may or may not know our little doll-sized people yep. uh, from the microverse, discover Little Land, or Littleville, rather, yeah. uh, where everyone is the same size as them. Mm-hmm. They discovered after what has happened last time, where the villagers in the town have decided that they want the puppet master to be their mayor, only for Doctor Doom, who is trapped at that size, to come in and be like, fuck that shit, I'm a dictator. You're all mine now. Mm-hmm. And the Micronauts help restore order and leave everything literally on fire. <laughs> <laughs> melting. I shit you not. <laughs> that's how the story ends. <laughs> Oh man! The other people are not melting, but Doctor Doom's face is melting. The yeah. issue ends with because uh, throughout the story, Doctor Doom is basically like, "I might be a- trapped in a fake body and a doll, but look at my face—I'm beautiful." That's and the issue ends with the face melting, while the yeah. puppet master is like, "Not so pretty now, are you?" <laughs> That's the end of the issue. It's so great. So great, yeah. And I'm just gonna say it's much better than Fantastic Four Two Forty Six.
0: Oh, interesting. You think so? Wow, that's fun. Cause, cause again, I feel like you get a little bit more of Doom, the Correctionist here. Like his tendencies of like. He- Correctionist or doom the correction. Sorry, burn the correctionist. Jesus. Okay, that that was a meaningful slip. Yeah, you get burn the correctionist, who's, who's very much because essentially it does that. This story literally picks up where that story ends, which is really great to hear about. And to so the point
1: where you see you yes. see the macros flying out the window.
0: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You and and you even get the the melted doom face thing, which looks pretty gross and then a giant doctor doom shows up slaps the puppet master and just kills him essentially and then picks up the little tiny doctor doom and is like let me now let me retrieve this tiny ravaged body for without it the plan for without it the plan would be an empty game without any hope or true victory for doctor doom doctor doom's great let's face it that guy anyway <laughs> so he flies off And um, you know, again, you've got a classic FF staple—one that I actually from the Lee Kirby days, where the FF walk into a trap, get separated in you know, and have to figure out ways to beat uh, the death trap challenge. Which, in this particular case, is in each case Doctor Doom beating the snot out of them. So how they? And I love that Doctor Doom really does just beat the snot out of them as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 none of it is that elegant stuff. Like at best it's like, Oh, now you can't flame on. Now I'm going to kick the shit out of you. Oh, I've turned you into a milkshake Reed Richards. Now I'm going to kick the shit out of you. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious. Um, And one of the things that I do love, I I think I told you how uh, reading the GT scan was a bit of a disservice for that, that Terax two page spread the opposite is true here. There's a there's a two page there's a two page sequence that is the pages are clearly supposed
1: to be read side by side. I, I, it's, yeah, exactly. As opposed to uh, on Marvel Unlimited, where it would be page by page, and it wouldn't have the same uh, impetus because you have each character is going through the same thing mm-hmm. in the same panel sizes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so. You get a large panel of the each FF member fighting their particular doom. Then you get a close up of their eyes. Then you get a close up of the doom being revealed to be a robot. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's a re- it's a really nice double page spread. Mm-hmm. It really is, and
0: it's it's clear. It's designed to lay out and look side by side. But because it doesn't it doesn't read as a as a double page spread, it's not laid out there in in Marvel Unlimited. So when I came across it, I was like. Wait, what? Oh, let me go back to the GIT core, and sure enough, it looks, it looks much better there. Um, so yeah, so there's that. I, I kind of dug that. Again, it's, it's kind of a, um, you know, it's a bit of a trope, but I think Byrne does a pretty good job with the trope, and especially the way that um, each, basically that each member of the FF manages to defeat the Doombot on their own rather than mm-hmm. the way that you might suspect that it would unfold. Was was actually... Oh,
1: sure. Like, the, the fact that no one had to have Reed's barrel into the room and go, it's a robot, Sue!
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Everyone, more or less... Although, e- even as you have situations in which the the char- some characters figure it out and some characters don't, they all still manage to come up with ways to defeat him kind of fun. And it leads to the setup which is basically Dr. Doom is you know, while you were battling my robot duplicates you were being subtly affected. The power of my inhibitor ray has made it impossible for you to direct any attack against my person. And he's basically like just as you needed me to to come to your help, you will help me regain the throne of Latveria.
1: And um he's not just Like, he has some reason for this, because the end of the issue is showing you what's happened to Liberia while Zorba, the the not Greek, has been in command. And it looks like shit. Yeah, it really does. And this, again, is
0: 247, is a real interesting story to read in 2017, I think.
1: This one is mine! (laughs) That's what it's called.
0: Yes. And again, this feels like a story that would have been perfectly fine running for another issue, I feel, because you have you have a recap of the events leading up to 200, which have Doom being overthrown and Zorba taking over as a king. And then again, in in very hasty speedy flashback, you see the country fall apart because essentially Doom All Doom really outlawed was crime. And now that people have freedom, you start getting crime, you start getting, you know, uh, poverty and hunger, and then you end up getting a ruthless mechanical secret police.
1: It's It's kind of super creepy, right? Because the argument is basically... If you have a totalitarian dictator, yeah. everyone will be too scared to be a dick.
0: Yeah, basically, Burns' thing is, you know what, guys? Fascism is better than anarchy, and if you don't have one, you end up with the
1: other. Now, it's but it's, but it's not it's not even that because it's not as if he's not as if Doom left anarchy. There was another guy in charge. His argument is just that other guy will be a worse dictator somehow. Right. Well, and I think that that's true. That that is a good point. It it is
0: at the one th- you know, it's one of those things that's actually to me highly frustrating because by comic book standards, it's it's a it's a kind of sophisticated line of thinking, but by real life standards, it's really an incredibly naive simplistic way of thinking. Like There are so many, we have seen situations where, you know, essentially one dictator was thrown over and the next next dictator that steps in is worse. But there's a lot of reasons for it. It's not just, there's just something, the fact that Doom's version of totalitarianism, of fascism, is actually a very whitewashed feel good form where even later on where creepy Gestapo guy is lecturing Zorba about the fact that doom never really punished people. He just threatened to do it a lot is really flies in the face of if nothing else, things that we've seen like Steve Englehart's classic supervillain team up issue seven. But, uh, You know, but just the general tone of various other appearances that we've seen of the FF in Latveria, you know? It it doesn't quite ring true. Like Byrne is kind of ring. Oh, there's so much about this. Yeah.
1: Yes. Burn is like weirdly in favor of and I think it's because he's weirdly in favor of the old setup. But it comes across as him being weirdly in favor of Of dictatorship. Well, again, this
0: is the man who Steve Gerber and Jack Kirby parodied as Rooster Cogburn, the man with no spine, you know, or actually, is he just a spine with no man? I forget, but it's he's a company man, you know, Burns statements about Marvel owning all the rights to everyone and anyone who would have thought otherwise is a complete idiot and that's more or less precisely what they deserve. He knows that as long as he's, you know, he knows that everything he's created is being owned by Marvel and only people in bad faith would try and get their creations back and he's paid a perfectly good wage and yada, 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 yada. Burns... Byrne's a conservative dude, and he's a conservative dude in a way that you can get conservatives who are like, you know what, again, hardly a surprise to be saying this out loud in 2017, fascism is better than the alternative, you know, and, and what's, but what's weird is the way that Byrne makes that statement, but also muddies the waters by having, like, a weird, genuine, like, Creepy Gestapo guy popping up beside Zorba, you know, to like hold a cigarette, a long cigarette holder, and deliver a lot of exposition. It's, um, it's, it's just a, it's, and again, you get this whole weird thing of now the, now the FF have to fight a lot of robots. A lot, a lot, a lot of robots. Which seems, it's, it's a low impact issue. Again, like you said, Burns an idea, man. The idea that he has is kind of riveting and very controversial, but the execution of it is kind of... Um, what? What's that issue where... Isn't there some issue where the FF, like, lose their powers and then they have to, like, team up against the Latverians to fight that brigade of, like,
1: Doom bots or Doom... Again, yeah, that, Doom's yeah, mechanical that, that's, police that's, guys. That's really soon... Is that not really soon after... Kirby leaves, or am I imagining that? No, I think it is.
0: I think it's, I think it's a a Lee Basima joint or something like that. And it, it doesn't. That was not the FF at their height, but it had more. At least, at least Stanley was aware that there had to be dramatic stakes in place. He, of course, like overplayed them, where it's like, you know, like the FF are all but like dying of like. You know, gamma radiation poisoning or something, and having to defend the last ten villagers in Latveria, and they all blame themselves for bringing the whole thing upon themselves. But they're going to fight till the dawn and yada yada. And by contrast, I laughed out loud where there where like Zorba pushes the button, and and Gestapo guy is like, Excellency, no, that switch will activate dot dot dot. The next page. The killer robots. And I just laughed because I'm like, you would think if nothing else, people in Latveria
1: are like, eh, the killer robots. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. We, yeah. We know killer robots, you guys. Yeah, exactly. Killer robots, we know. All bright Green. Come on. Yeah, ex-
0: yeah, it's true. That's the other thing where they were just... I don't know what the fuck was going on there. But yeah, no, it it would it would be like someone in in downtown San Francisco like flipping the fuck out about bed bugs. They're like, "Ugh, they're an inconvenience, but they're here all the time." You know? So anyway, um it's a weird wrap up and also the FF are incredibly blasé about the fact that, you know, after saving the life of Galactus, after, you know, more or less like you know, dressing Frankie Ray down for daring to judge a child abuser, they are surprisingly okay with a Dr. Doom who more or less completely kills his opponent and, in order to take his country over. Like, by the end of it, the FF well, are Well, not like, only
1: that, they, they have no remorse that they put that guy in power in the first place. They really don't. They don't. So it could have been an amazing
0: story about American interventionism uh And I don't know, you know, a shocking story about, you know, a shocking allegorical take on El Salvador or something. But instead, it yeah, but is really
1: it. It would never was going to be. Come on.
0: No, no, no. And I get it. And there's a way in which it would have been something. Yeah, it's it's bad enough as it is, but it's still it's still strange. Again, like you said, there's a way in which Burns like I prefer this setup, and there is um. He likes his ambiguity, and I appreciate the fact that he brought ambiguity back to Galactus, the, the idea that he's neither good nor evil, and that with Doom, Doom is interesting if there is the idea that he's not such a bad ruler, which I don't I don't mind that idea. I just really take serious umbrage at the way that Burn— the lengths Burn goes to get there— and what he chooses to um, do, I guess,
1: with it, I suppose. Sure. No, no, it's but but that's entirely what it is. Mm. The idea of Doom is could actually be loved by the people of this country, and for that matter, be good for the country. Mm. Even though what we would consider as outsiders to be the terrible regime, is a, is an interesting one. Yeah, and it, it is a nice note of ambiguity. But getting there by going. Remember that hero we put in there three years ago? Mm-hmm. He's much worse. And in case you don't get it, here's his general, who looks like the stereotypical Nazi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 just lazy, more than anything. It really is. And again, there's also you no. Know, it's like it's like you, you can do better. We know you can do better. Why are you doing it this way?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I I agree aren't the last couple of pages also just
0: kind of like burn runs out of juice was it just me or like the showdown between doom and Zorba. Not only is it perfunctory, but like Zorba is, is drawn really just kind of weirdly. He's just drawn kind of weirdly poorly. Like burn was clearly running out of time or his inker didn't understand what he was trying to do or, it's, uh, I think it's Chris. Is it him? Is that I the think, is that the reason? Yeah, I think, There's I not... think he's inked. Yeah, I'm Oh yeah, sure you're he's right. Story isn't. and art. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, because I feel uh, like some I, of his. I,
1: I think yeah. I I think there is, and it's not. But that isn't the only time you see that. There are pages throughout the this entire run mm-hmm. where Burn is clearly dealing with deadlines, and he's like, "That's good enough." Yeah. Like, visually. Yeah. Yeah. This. Um, and and so I think that's what's happening here. But it's – I mean, even the showdown between Doom and Zorba kind of is very flawed Mm -hmm. Um, and would have been better just not being in the book. Mm -hmm. It would have been better if you had just stayed with the Fantastic Four and then Doom appeared and was basically like, oh, I've taken care of it.
0: Or it had gone to another issue and then you finally got this because – if you did that, it would have been a lot like the Inhuman Story a little bit for me, where you don't where the most dramatic stuff takes place off panel, and I don't think I would have wanted that. The problem is by the time the most dramatic stuff takes place, like, oh my god, is it jammed into those little panels and stuff. Like even something that's supposed to be as dramatic as, as Doom and Zorba struggling on the edge of a um you know, a uh, castle tower over the smoldering ruins of Latveria is uh, minimal to the point of being, you know, practically dia- a diagram, you know, it's, it's not, it's, a, it's, a, it is, it's, it's undercooked. It's really undercooked. It's fascinating, isn't it? I'm shocked that Byrne had so much control over his first, those first half dozen issues that we read. And then, just kinda he, he does it's not all misses, but there's there's a shocking number of things where I just feel like it kinda kinda does drop the ball, you know.
1: Um Well but the thing is it's not just that it's not all misses, there's some good comics in there. The, like the, even I, I, I think I was saying before, even the bad issues, and there are bad issues right. have something in them that keeps you reading like yeah. these are good pop comics. The, these these are I uh, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting.
0: I I sort of feel like these are really good superhero comics of the type that John Byrne himself would later on go on to d- to decry. These are these are Oh, sure. Th- yeah. Yeah. Enjoyable. These are comics by fans for fans. If you are a fan of the Fantastic Four, there's stuff that, that goes on here that is enjoyable, that's interesting thinking about, that's that that will, you know, stir a reaction out of you. But I'm sorry, you you know, good pop comics is something like Will Eisner's The Spirit, you know, that you can kinda of plunk down and for the mo- or Tintin or something where anyone can sort of pick it up and the the power of the storytelling and the cartooning is going to carry you through it this stuff is really very good it's, you know like i said second or third generation superhero comics that that's that and that is not um that is much better than the ff has been had been getting for literally years before that but but it's but it's still kind of a little depressing I guess, or something. It's a, it's a little bewildering. I guess that it, that it doesn't, that this, that it doesn't end up being better. You know, the, mm-hmm. that for whatever reason, Doom's, Doom, God, Burns Renaissance of the Fantastic Four feels strangely like a guy.
1: I love, I love that you keep getting Doom and Burn mixed up. That is so bad. It is so bad. I'm. I know that. I know that it's getting late, but still, that's I amazing know. that you've made that twice. Ugh,
0: it is. I hope it's only twice. At
1: least it's like Strange makes up.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. It makes sense. They're both doctors, for shit's sake. They're both fictional characters. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Burn, Burns Renaissance of the Fantastic Four really feels like somebody who's driving the car with the parking brake on. You know? it It's moving. <laughs> and there's a lot of smoke. But you really feel that it should be... C- just screaming down the street much more than than the sort of amiable puttering about that it's doing. So, yeah.
1: That, that's I, me, I, Graham. I, no, I, it's because it's we came out of the, the first six issues of Burn Runs going, this is great. This is much better than we thought it was going to be. Great, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I, to be honest, I think these ten issues are of a standard that we were expecting that first go-round. That is
0: true. I think that's actually... Where
1: they're perfect. fun. Mm-hmm. And they're... You know, they get the job done, but they're they're not. They don't have the shock of the new, and also they're just not as good. They're not as as good. those first. Yeah, actually, that's not true. as the first five issues. Cause, uh, maybe you don't remember, but the sixth issue, we were like, "Yeah, this is a bit of a bummer." Uh, yeah, which one was the sixth issue? The one with the, the alien who was drunk on Earth's atmosphere and gave her Oh, yeah, vertical. yeah, yeah. Right,
0: which again, yeah, that is actually about some of the caliber of the stuff that's here. In some ways, it's more of a... It's not so much... It looks like an outlier with the first six issues, or first five, but it's really more closer to what we're going to be getting than you would necessarily think. From reading, I don't know issue two thirty six or two thirty six in particular, which is really kind of an exception, still an exceptional issue, you know. So I don't know. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna talk. I suppose I wanted to talk a little bit about how all the weirdo stuff that I was saying last episode about Ben Grimm's psychosexual hangups. Certainly doesn't seem to be disproven by the stuff that Byrne goes on to put forward in these later issues, uh, at least in an elliptical way. But I don't—I I mean, God knows—I feel like that's—we've talked for so long, Graham. It—it kind of seems beside the
1: point. <laughs> we so. have to, we have well, actually, we we are getting close to two and a half hour mark, so we probably do want to, to shut up. Although I will say this: I'm not sure that there. I think. At this point, you might be reading into it. I think it has just become a much more generic. Uh, Alicia prefers the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think any 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 uh, additional element beyond that. I think at this point is now you reading into. Ah, uh, could be,
0: could be. I I I I don't think that necessarily explains why the thing is completely obsessed with how strong he is when he's the thing. Like that's the most important thing that, that seems to matter to him. I don't think that it necessarily
1: explains. But that's, I, I don't even think that comes across in these issues. I think it's a much more generic. I'm a monster. Hooray. I Maybe. I, I don't think there is the exploration that of, of that stuff, which was in the last issues. Uh, there was... Plus, there's the the ridiculous sequence about the the weightlifting. And that's just not there this time around. Like, when he's lifting impossible weights, he's just lifting weights. And it's not like, I'm so glad that I'm so strong. It's just background.
0: Uh, I guess that's probably true. I, I kind of thought that, like, once he turns back into an earlier version of the thing, what you see in the next issue is him lifting this incredible weight and him being like, "Phew! I haven't lost a bit of, uh, you know, I haven't lost a bit of my strength, which is what matters to me, you know? Uh, And then isn't there also a point where he's kind of saying to Alicia sort of like, Uh, I kind of wish we had it like we did back in Littleville, you know, now that there's
1: some, yeah, there's something along those lines. I don't think it's as, as blatant as that, but it's it's definitely an implication.
0: Yeah. So, so there, there is some weird stuff being scattered there and they do seem centered around those same points, but I do agree that there's a lot that's um, uh, left by the wayside, let's say. But yeah, sure. Okay. You're like it, whatever. Yeah. I, sure. I guess. I guess it's a good uh, thing that I didn't bring it up because you're you're completely unconvinced by it. So good.
1: I'm... I am completely unconvinced by it this time around I'm sorry, Jeff. Ah, oh, Graham. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I've, I've let you down. I've let <laughs> the listeners down. I've let everyone down, and I I am sorry, everyone. <laughs> what I'm going to say instead is, uh, when we're doing this time next month, we're going to go all the way through to two hundred and sixty whoa really wow okay i think we can do that Mm -hmm. yes we are uh because we're (laughs) headed into more continued stories across the the various issues Mm -hmm. uh it's, it's i think it's manageable put it that way sure i believe it ff 248 through 260
0: next time on the baxter building
1: meanwhile This is where I tell everyone that there will be show notes for this episode. uh, Available at weightwadpodcast.com. That you can find images from these comics and some other comics at weightwadpod.tumblr.com. And that we are on Twitter at at weightwadpodcast. Jeff is on Twitter solo at lazybastid at l a z y b s t i d, And I am on Twitter solo at M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And I also tell you that Baxter Building exists because of you, dear listeners, Uh, because Baxter Building started as a a reward level on our Patreon. And because I've said Patreon, Jeff gets all excited and gets to say (laughs) that we
0: are um, delighted to be a Patreon-supported podcast. A wonderful group of people make all this possible. As Graham mentions, the Baxter Building itself would not exist if we hadn't hit a stretch goal um which we should have called like a mr fantastic goal i guess now that i think about it uh and so we're grateful to everyone who um takes takes a little bit of time to throw us a bit of dosh and uh we're super grateful to the kind crew at american ninth art studios as well as empress audrey queen of the galaxy uh they have supported us they have not destroyed us and we appreciate both of those things In equal measure. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Graham? We will be back in two weeks with a regular raid wads. Not next week. We're throwing you off with the schedule again. Two weeks! And it will be a regular raid watch. We will be talking about whatever the hell has happened in comics. Oh my goodness. uh, During that time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who can even tell at this point? I really don't want to think about it. We will be back doing a Baxter Building with 248 through 260 in a month. In the meantime, because it's a Baxter Building... Jeff is the one who sings us out.
0: Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time in the lobby of the Baxter Building.